0: Similar to your daughter bringing home Ryan Reynolds to meet you, you're unmistakably charmed and can't help but want to learn more. Welcome to the Beat Around the Bench podcast, podcast about woodworking, good times, and general jackassery. With your hosts Jess of Jess Build It, Colton of Colt Crit, and Ross of RNC Woodworking and Design. You can find us all on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. In this week's episode, we get back to basics by covering what's going on in our shops. Jess goes off the deep end with diggers and sharks. Colton asks us all to watch our cornholes. And Ross sings his woes about having too much work on his plate. All of that and more is coming right up on this episode of the Beat Around the Bench Podcast. Now, for episode 36, Roadhouse. House. What a classic movie
1: that is! That that is. I've always wanted that boot with the knife in the end of it. (laughs) Who Uh, doesn't? I
2: I just picture Peter Griffin and Roadhouse, (laughs) Roadhouse. (laughs) So, boys, it's uh, it's it's awesome to. I don't
0: want to say not have a guest, but it's great to be able to talk to you guys. What's going on? It is.
1: Since, yeah, well, This may be a long episode. We got a lot to talk about.
0: We do. We got, you know, weeks of, of stuff. But the thing I most want to hear about last week, Colton was actually at your shop.
1: Yes, he was yeah. in my home. I in fed your him, home. bathed him, <laughs> gave him a place to sleep. And we did we, you personally. What, did you him? Yeah. No, no, but I did give him a bar. of soap. that counts. <laughs> did he drop he did? it? Is that what? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But okay. I've been using it. I smell it every time I get in the shower. Just to, super. Because I, I I miss him. Yeah.
2: That's fair. You gotta watch out. It's yeah. some dangerous musk, man.
1: You know. It, it know is. It <laughs> is. It is. No, so, it was. Um, it was. It was great. Yeah. So, yeah. What,
0: Like, what was? I mean, what was the impetus for the visit,
2: Colton? Dude, great. A was getting that uh, that forty watt atom stack working and up and working and in it Asia? was and. Yeah, which I, I really – I wish I had three more days with uh, with you, Jess. I mean, like, yeah, you were set up to where you get everything on your own, right? Like, um, we didn't get to fully test out all the, the feeds and speeds, which um, – yeah, but we did, uh, like, dial it in a little bit. We cut through some quarter-inch material. Uh, we figured out the camera, which I figured out that I need a camera on my laser. It is so – like simple once you get it going like it's amazing like you literally can just throw a piece on there and like through light burn draw something on that piece and yeah just go and it was awesome Ah. finding the center point with the the camera versus like, like having to like be touching your computer and like moving the laser left right left right up down yeah it was awesome
1: yeah, yeah I, I've watched a lot of uh, videos about, you know, like how to register it and, you know, how do you find your X axis and Y axis and and how to always get like things. Like some people burn like one coaster at a time, right, or, or something like that where they're doing like artwork. I, I heard an yeah. example of that, and that takes you a lot of time, right, because you got to find it, and there's ways to do it, but I saw this camera was on sale when I was buying all this stuff, and it was like 80 bucks. And I'm like, well, what's a camera for? And so then, you know, because I know nothing of lasers at all. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, well, what does this laser do? And the guy's showing these. So I'm like, why doesn't everybody have one of these? You got to do it this other way. Why wouldn't everybody just do it this way? So basically, you just get the camera and it's on a little bracket and it goes above your bed of your laser. And you basically can can see like a almost like a fisheye, the whole bed. And then it comes to this piece of paper with dots on it. And you start, you go through this calibration process, which is just super easy. And you move it into all these spots that it tells you. And then it gives you a score, right? So like you need enough light and things like that. But it that's simple. And then it's like it's calibrated. Now do this other calibration. And then it like burns these four little points in whatever. In this case, I just burn it right into the table. And then you mark where you that camera, that dot. And the dang thing's calibrated. There's nothing to it. Hmm. And it takes you through the whole thing. And then like, literally, like he said, you could take uh, a piece of plywood and lay it in there sideways, like, or at an angle. And then you just hit update overlay and boom, there it is on your work area on, on light burn, right. Exactly. In your workspace, exactly where it is down to the millimeter. And then you can just do whatever. So, Um, we had problems because I bought the extended bed and there is no one that has put a camera on an extended bed that has a video for anything. Huh? So we couldn't get it high enough to get all of it in frame. So then it turned into like like the lead
0: singer of Creed. The camera was like, can you take me (laughs) higher?
1: And the answer was no, (laughs) it wasn't. We were maxed out. So. With our ingenuity and woodworking skills, we made a big giant bracket impromptu that attached to the side of the table,
2: okay. and got
1: it so that it was high enough. And um, I was worried that it wouldn't calibrate because it was so far away. It didn't make any difference; still worked just hmm. fine. Yep. So we finally got that done, and then he was able to kind of just show me the ropes of light burn. And so
0: forty watt laser. You, what's the 48 thickest? Forty-eight watt. Forty-eight it's, watt. So it has yes, a, a switch.
1: It has a switch, right, so if you're going to just engrave, you don't need all the diodes, you only need half of them, so you just flip the little switch on the side and now it's a twenty four watt and when you want forty eight watts, you flip it up and that's more for you know for cutting or supposedly for faster engraving would be now the is yours idea, a right?
0: full enclosure or just a bed
1: no it's t- it does not have an enclosure um, the bed extension. Was very inexpensive and it just basically came with a new controller and new wires. New, actually, new everything, new stepper motors, all that was included with it, new belts. And it does 850 millimeters wide by 800 millimeters tall. So, the, the that's the, a
0: substantial bed.
1: Yeah, it's 31 by like 33, something like that.
0: So, so it's great. So, the, the laser that I got is a five and a half watt laser. Uh-huh. And, and I apparently can't even cut like eighth inch material with this thing. No, I can engrave, not. which is right. fun, but right. I can't like cut. And I found yeah. that out the hard way. But uh um, paper.
2: I can cut paper. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you could or, do
1: like cardboard and stuff. Or you could lay, lay it
2: out for um like this lay out some solid cut lines depending on what like so a jig or something. But
0: I did that for uh I tried to make a keychain because like the first project that they show you for lightburn is like you're going to make a keychain and i tried to make it normal size but i haven't figured out um how how big millimeters are apparently because <laughs> i made it and it was like you know when you go to like a, a public gas station and you're like i need to use your bathroom and they give you the bathroom key that has like A full toilet seat, or like uh, a street sign attached to it, so you can't steal the key. It's like zip a rod. Yeah, dude, that's literally how big this keychain ended up being. And I was like, that is far too substantial. I don't need anything that big. So if you
1: if you go to the little gear icon at the top, that's settings, because he had this problem. I had it set to millimeters, which is what I wanted to do, but he has his set to inches. So if you You go to the gear icon at the top right you can change it for and you'll see co2 and then it'll say diode and then it says millimeters per second and then like da 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 and then you'll see one that says inches on there and just click that dot and that's it everything changes to inches and and so on and so forth um and then when you set it up did you set how big your bed was yeah yeah so you have some reference with that but if you don't have the camera, I would be in the same boat as you would. I don't know millimeters for nothing. So I would have yeah. to like, and my the other, math.
0: my other issue is as I was trying to etch everything, all of a sudden my, my shop started like filling with smoke because yes, I was yeah. literally burning things. So I had to figure out like a very Jimmy rigged air filtration system. So I just hooked up a shop back and like clamped it to the one side that wasn't going to be used. And it was just running continuously That was the only thing I could think of at the moment.
2: Uh, Did did it cut down pretty good?
0: I assume it was. Oh, yeah. Like, it basically was pulling everything. It it still smells wonderful in the shop, but
1: you don't get the smoke filling everything. Since we're on Lightburn Talk, um, there's one thing that I did learn today. So, when you're in there doing all those settings, the great thing about it that you don't really get to do in, like, normal, real-life things, there's a setting, and you can change. You know how it's, like, on a graph paper? You can change the graph paper. I can make it every one inch, every 0.5 inches, every 0.25 inches, right? And then you can set, if you look down underneath, it will snap. And I want it to snap every 0.25 when I hold control, every one inch when I press the arrow, and shift control will do this, you know, this amount. And so that way when you're working with things, because he was showing like you make it with slots and tabs, And you want Mm -hmm. to make like these boxes that people make with slots and tabs. You can set it up so that it's like half and you're automatically like making a tab just by moving it. And it's automatically moving it that half inch or this far. So there are so many things I
0: need to do to learn about this laser, man. I have done like two days worth of production work and maybe three. And I've just run out of time. So
1: well we yep. we got I would like to have that guy that I've been watching, the Louisiana Hobby Guy, I would like to have him on because he's a really nice guy. Oh, and I find his fun. videos his videos to be simple. He's like, look, it's easy, you just do this. And he's even in contact with the guy that wrote the software on, on Lightburn. So hmm, nice. I I've gotten I've watched other videos, but I like his the best. They're real simple. But anyway, nice. enough about So oh,
0: besides we- so besides getting the laser set up, what was the highlight of the trip?
1: His karaoke.
2: Oh I, no! I was gonna say uh, uh, Ash's karaoke, she she got up there. Oh, she I don't it.
1: know. He we got it on film. We're gonna put it online, but <laughs> he he did he yeah. did his uh, ice ice baby. He did his give it away, give it away, give it away now. And um, nice. <laughs> and uh, there's this karaoke it, bar that was actually on Bar Rescue over where we used to live, and so yeah, we took him to it again. And the last time he came, they they were closed, so. He was, yeah, well, he, he had a good time. We were up late. It was pretty fun. That late.
2: But I, Jess, you're going to hate this, but it, it is on I my bucket am. list. It is on my bucket no, list. No, for, um, it's not gonna so they happen. were talking about Workbench Con day one, doing activities and karaoke came up. And it's a bucket list for um, me, you, maybe even we'll get Ross in there too, to uh, duet uh Mr. Ross Roboto. <laughs> Mr. Roboto. Yeah, so Ross, do, do it yeah. way, and then we'll back uh,
1: you up. <laughs> no much. Thank you very much, Chobis. No. Yeah, so I do like that song. <laughs> there you go. See, you already got it, man. Well, you see, there's not – you would have to, like, get Ross to do the, like, the thing, and then I'll just, like, do the little background ones on it. It'll be oh, fine. Per-
2: that's perfect, man. That's
1: <laughs> yeah. perfect. Yeah, then
2: we'll do some uh, Backstreet Boys or some NSYNC. I want it that way. Tell me. Tell me. There you go. Thank you.
1: (laughs) All right. We'll have to work on that. We'll have to work on that. It's it's going to be here in no time. Uh, Can you guys believe that this year is almost over? No.
2: I wish I had like God, three more weeks.
0: Like, yeah, I um, need at least two or three more weeks before. We're, <laughs> so we're less than two weeks from Christmas. By the time this drops, it'll be like a week and a half till Christmas. Yeah, And I still have like five projects I need to finish between now oh, and then. Wow! And I still have on top of it all my Christmas shopping still yet to do because I've been so enveloped in my day job as well as trying to wrap up these other projects that I'm just so far behind. And I'm going to put all of my efforts into Amazon. They're going to have to deliver Mm. everything for me.
1: So not to jump ahead in the, in the episode, what are you working on? I would love to know.
0: So literally the,
1: as he says with a sigh, (laughs) (laughs)
0: literally the, uh, the week of Thanksgiving, I had seven different people reach out about projects and they were like, is there any way I can get these before Christmas? And I was like, feasibly, no, but probably yes. And they were like, what does that mean? And I was like, I, no I hate to say it. I will try and yeah, I'm going to do everything I can to get it done. And they're very different projects. Like one of them is a, a built-in seating area for a family member. Uh, they wanted like an entryway <laughs> bench, but it, they want it to be almost like built-in cubbies, but they don't want cubbies. So they just want the bench with the pull-out drawers and everything. And that's mostly done, but there's like some little details that I'm trying to work out on that one. And I just hate building cabinets. I'm not going to lie. They're so boring about two days into this build. I'm like, I just don't care anymore. And I can't say that because it's a customer's piece. It's a family member's piece, but like, I'm not challenged. I'm not enthralled by it. The next one is I had a customer who he bought some Elm slabs from uh, a local lumber dealer and he was like, Hey, they recommended you as somebody who could come and like make a table out of this. And the guy texts me, he probably texts me twice a day, if not three times a day. He's oh. like, Hey, have you had any progress on this? And what's the And I'm like, dude, you had me order a table base from Poland. It's going to take some time. He's like, but I thought I would check in and see if there was an update. And I'm like, no, no, no update yet. Still making your table. And uh, there's a lot of warping to the slabs. He wanted them book matched. There's a lot of epoxy work I'm doing on it. And I wasn't planning on that. So it's been more work than I had anticipated. Um, I'm building. Actually, I did today. Uh, I cut all the pieces for the uh, glass. Bottle company, uh, the recycled bottle company that makes glassware out of old uh, wine and beer bottles. Um, All of a sudden, he was like, Hey, I need 30 boxes. I got to ship some stuff out. And I'm like, Okay, well, if I don't have to stain them, then I can get them for you tomorrow. He was like, No, no, they got to be stained. But like each of these boxes is between five to eight pieces. So I got to stain 30 boxes worth of times eight like with all the middle, like little pieces and everything. And that's just, it takes time. Um, I have the customer that I built all the custom whiskey boxes for. He's been pressing me. He's like, hey, I need you to start making another 110 boxes of these. I need them for Christmas. But I keep telling him, hey, you need to put down a deposit so I can get the materials. He's like, no, no, you start on it and and I'll pay you as I, I come along. And I'm like, that's not how this works. But I've like had to adjust some things in the design for it to get that ready to go. Uh, and he of course wants me to stain it because he didn't like staining everything last time. And then there's a few other like little things that I was trying to get done for Christmas that were projects for friends and family. And my wife has also gone to a few like Christmas brunches with friends and she's like, Oh my God, wouldn't it be so fun if you just like whip up a cutting board and you could laser etch it now, and I'm like, you don't just whip up a cutting board. Like, not I'm not going to half-ass it. It's yeah, exactly. So we've had multiple Christmas parties that we've gone to where it's like, oh yeah, just you know, make a cutting board real quick, and then you can laser etch it to personalize it for them. And I'm like, you're giving me like 30 hours before this event to not only create the damn cutting board, but have drying time and curing time for all the yeah. the, the finish and everything else. It's just been. It's been ridiculous, so but, but you yeah. did well um I've gotten most of it done.
1: Nice. not everything
0: I've gotten all those little cutting boards and charcuterie boards and everything done, which is great, but the other projects I'm like, uh, part of me really wants to get these done in time, and part of me is like, I just I want this stuff out of my shop, so
2: yeah, yeah. hey, so one suggestion though that uh, as far as like. Cutting boards, well, like I would, I don't call them cutting. Board. I call them charcuterie boards when I do them like this. But like for me, you know, uh, it, it's pretty. Like I, I can knock one out in like two hours, right? And um, you just throw like a board up, like say it's like a cherry um uh, cutting board, right, or a charcuterie board, and uh, whatever I throw on the the CNC and cut it. But um, with like those acrylic templates, and you just get like a flush trim router bit, mm-hmm. and you follow it. I know it's not as easy as that, but um, Colton, I, the problem that might is, be good I, for your, your intermediate gifts
0: too. That's right. true. I don't typically make easy design cutting boards. Like the the simplest <laughs> one I do is yeah. like a brickwork cutting board. Yeah. So it's, there's like it's
1: six feet by six feet, and it's yeah, three inches it, thick. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs>
0: like yeah. I literally, I took the the simplest one that I did. I actually took some of the Wenge offcuts from a piece I made for the the one customer who bought all the ePay stuff. Um I made an uh a Wenge charcuterie board. And I that was like the simplest one. It was just book jointed. But then I had to like, because I'm me, I had to like refinish all the edges. I chamfered them all and then like put in a weird design. Then I laser the whole thing. And it was it, it should have been just a simple bing, you know, as bourbon moth would say zip, zap, zoop, but I, I can't do that. That's my, that's my company name on there.
2: I hear you. So. Um, people do like them though. I will say that like, uh, even yeah, like these easy charcuterie boards, care. like, um, yeah. Oh, like, I can't, I mean, they, they still, like cheap. it's on my damn t-shirt. I get, it, I get, I get what you're saying. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm actually doing, I got four, like, I call them brisket boards. Yeah. Um, you know, I I. In the past, I've done them all with, like side grain, right? And I'll do them out of like mostly mm-hmm. walnut and then, um, what is it, maple, cherry, paduke. And, yeah. um, but on these, uh, for all four of them, I kind of have uh, a creative freedom on them, right? And nice. so I was planning on doing them actually in grain and doing some sort of fun pattern. I don't know if uh, I want to commit to like a 3D pattern at this point, just for time's sake, but. Yeah. I uh I don't know. I, I kind of do want to get a little bit creative with it at least. You should so. try the Feldhouse
0: weave, man. How do you spell that? I'm not sure about uh, F-E-L-D-T-H-O-U-S E. I'll check it there's out. Ryan Feldhouse. He has three or four different versions of, of the weave. There's like yeah. the um the helical, there's the standard weave. I made one and it takes you like Even if you do all the stages, just the drying time in between, it takes about six to seven days to make one of these cutting boards because you have to to let it dry in between. I'm
1: always worried I'm going to cut it wrong, you know, because you got to get it all lined up again over and over. I'm always worried that I'm going to lose something when I do those like intricate patterns and stuff. Some of these guys, that's all they do, man. That's all they do. They got all their tools are all set to it already. So yeah. Yeah. So it's I not used to big difficult. on that.
2: Well, that's what I thought my business was going to be mostly about was uh the big brisket boards and the charcuterie boards. Um, well
1: when, we uh, I, I, when he was talking about that charcuterie thing, you know, I this is one of the things that's coming up because our website is doing well after this guy just well, redid it all for us. Yeah, he, he did know what he was talking about, as it turns out.
0: Well, how about that? And
1: yeah, somebody that designs websites for a living knew what he was talking about. So he – we've kind of come to like this. Are we going to make a bunch of money selling charcuterie boards? No. No, we're not. Are we going to make a bunch of money? I got the laser now, and my wife loves Christmas vacation anything. So I got some Etsy files for like 5 bucks, and you can use them for commercial use. And I'm going to make some sheets and packs of – Uh, I mean, I'm late for it this year, but you get the idea, uh, of like Christmas vacation ornaments, right? Like these things, right? Fun little things in there. Crapper's full. Yeah. Yeah. I made her one that says, so anyway, so the idea behind it is that you sell your customer something because you're, you're getting a customer that can only afford a certain thing, right? They're not going to spend 150, $250 on a cutting board. But they might spend 25 or 30 on a charcuterie board that's personalized, right? Yep. And then one day they might need something or they'll know someone that needs something and they've been to your website and they saw that you make furniture or they saw that you do cabinets or they saw that, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like it's just creating exposure um, by having a whole line of products, expensive and cheap. So, yeah. yeah, I'm not real big on like charcuterie boards that are just like a board. Like yeah. a board, you know what I mean. Like you didn't do anything but cut out the edges, but it's inexpensive for you, and it still serves a purpose for them, and they like it. So what's wrong? I've with it, started.
0: You know? I've started doing like trivets like that. Yeah. Um, like pot trivets. You know, I'll do like a set of four or five of them that are just a simple board of some offcuts of something.
1: Sure.
0: And those do pretty well. Uh, they're not, you know, going to put my kids through college, but at the same token, it, it gets your foot in the door. I've been totally. trying with some of the the customers that I've had where they're doing, you know, three, four projects with me across the year. I've been trying to get some of them a nicer cutting board as a thank you gift from me for Christmas. Um, but we'll see. Don't know if I'll have time for it. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. It's like all of a sudden it's honest. It always is like that. It it's is. Like All of a sudden it's here. It is and, it coming.
0: Oh, yeah. I, so the other, I forgot there was one other project. Uh, my buddy ripped out one of the cabinets in his kitchen and he was like, Hey man. And this is like the first week in December, uh, or the week after Thanksgiving, he was like, Hey man, I totally ripped this out and I want to surprise the misses and have like a new cabinet built and all these features in there. And do you think you can do it for me before Christmas? And I was like, no, He's like, well, why not? I'm like, dude, I, number one, I have a day job. Number two, I have all kinds of other stuff going on. And he was like, yeah, but you could do it for like, you know, cost. And I'm like, I could, um, but this is also my business. So no, no, I'll give you a discount. But like, (laughs) he was like, okay. So I was trying to talk him into, I've had a rolling, one of my customers that I had from a while back, literally bought this massive house and was renovating it. And they happened to have a rolling butcher block stand that they ended up taking the butcher block off of. Cause they wanted me to cut it down to fit a smaller cabinet. So I did that, but I've had the stand now for three years, four years. And I keep meaning to like actually finish the massive butcher block um, top, but it would be like six inches thick by I think it was 17 like and this. a half wide by like 30 inches deep. Cause it's, it's counter depth. Mm-hmm. So this would be a huge cutting board. And so I was like, I have this cart. I could finish this cart for you in time. And he was like, yeah, I, I don't know if she's going to want that. And I'm like, well, those are the options I have for you. And he just, uh, he wasn't feeling that, but I'm always amazed at people who are like, yeah, I've done no planning at all. So can you save me by covering like working your ass off and getting it all done in time and then giving me a discount? And I'm like,
2: "Eh, that's
0: not how it's going to go.
2: Oh man. So, so, I mean, I offer discounts all the time to friends and stuff, but it's different when they ask for it. Yeah.
1: It's different when they ask for it. Yeah. Uh, Man.
2: yeah. Well, good on you for not just like being like, okay, sure. Even though you didn't want to, you know. Like, yeah, it's it's more that like I just don't have the time.
0: Even if I wanted to, I couldn't. So yeah, trying to prioritize actually seeing my family at some point.
1: Yeah, be, <laughs> we talked about this. Yeah, yeah that's important. Yeah. More important than anything.
2: Yeah. So, Colton, well, what's going on in your shop, man? Man, so this last week, uh, it's probably a little personal. Actually, it actually is very personal, but uh, I ha- had a big uh, what's the word obstacle that was uh, literally a pain in my butt, and um, I've never had them before. Got hemorrhoids? But, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, actually, man. hemorrhoids. Yeah, I, I had that, I, and like I, it, to the point where I don't know if it's not better in day two days, I'm gonna go, I'm going go the doctor. But have, I've never had to deal with it before. Just. Out of the blue. Yeah, but you know what? It um relating to the workshop, it uh gave me a lot of respect for I mean like, you know, women on their periods having to still work in the workshop, right? Or like like people with like disabilities or like pain, which I know my the hemorrhoids are probably nothing compared to all that stuff, but it um forced like, you to I, stand I, I don't up don't and work. The what?
0: It forced you to stand up and work.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it um yeah, it forced. I don't know. I, I was just a lot more irritable about like the minute my, my details on things that you don't normally want to do, but it, I was just a lot more irritable about everything. And I was like, "Yeah, ah, I, I get it. <laughs> a little bit of respect <laughs> for everybody. But yeah, uh, still dealing with that, but I think it's getting better. That's all the details I'll, I'll give
1: on that. <laughs> Appreciate yes, that. Yes, that's enough. Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> so yeah, where um, are you at? Like,
0: where are you at as far as the count goes? Have you knocked out all the original OG boards?
2: Yeah, yeah, they're done. But um, I mean, that's so fantastic. I, well done, sir. Thanks, Ram. Um, I still don't feel good yet. We're still late on a lot, but so yeah, I got I got six left from the second main round of sales. Okay, um, I got four left from like tag on orders, and then I have three that are like potential like donations for different stuff. Um, don't
0: do the donations yet until you've done the paying ones.
2: Yeah. Correct. Yeah, that, that's that's why I threw the three at the end, but but yeah, I can. I don't know. Yeah, today I just went back down to the drawing board and uh, redrew up my schedule um, for trying to get at least the important ones done by Christmas, and it's packed. It's packed, man. Yeah. It's it's tight, especially with the doing those, all those brisket boards I'm trying to do this week. And I, I got do you like have an issue? And,
0: do you have an issue this time of year in your garage with the temperature fluctuations and getting your epoxy to set?
2: Yes. Yeah. Um, temperature is everything with that. Um, which right now, so I have like this, um, Oh, it's like a box heater where it has like a fan that blows through it. Mm-hmm. And I have it set up. Um, I attach it to like part of the ceiling. And if I can get that on like an hour before I'm in the shop, it can normally bring the temperature up pretty well. And um, what then would I have cost some other... for you to
0: put like a mini split
2: in your garage? I would love to have a mini split. Uh, well, I, so I have this huge um, like window unit that we installed in the side of it that has a heater on it that was supposed to work and the heater doesn't work. And apparently uh, AC companies won't work on a window unit like mm. it's it's not worth you it to work on You have to have 220
1: them. hooked up to it for the heat yeah, work. Yeah,
2: It's 220 for both the heater and the uh the AC unit, which I use the same outlet. I'll just plug whichever one in, which, you know, being in Texas sometimes it's a uh, changing them up every day on whether it's <laughs> heat or not, but uh I don't know. I I'm, I'm at a point right now with the resin where I just try to make it even hotter than I normally would and um just be a little more careful with it so it doesn't go exo, you know. But uh but yeah, uh, hotter is quicker. So with the resin, okay. But yeah, I've that, actually w- been doing been,
0: The I, I was thinking about you as I was doing all the epoxy pours on these elm slabs, because basically there's like a crotch feature this guy wants to um, showcase and have mm-hmm. it book matched at the bottom of the table, and the the issue was they were barely hanging on for dear life with just some bark in there. Mm. And if I put them through the planer because there was some warping to the slabs, it was just going to rip out the entire thing. So I was like, man, I should really epoxy these first. Yeah. And it took me two times to get it to actually stick. Like the epoxy, it, there was just so much weight and it, it, with it, there was enough curvature on the slabs that it was pooling because I was trying to pour it from the bottom into the top uh, through the body. Um, and uh, it was pooling. On what would be the top, and then the weight of that was pulling off the tape, so then it was just oh, yeah. spilling all over my floor. Um, yeah, and so yeah, it, yeah so uh, it took me a sometimes few times like to, I'll, I'll
2: back like I'll do that tape layer like you're talking about, yeah. and then back it with um, I don't know, even like a board or like a piece of acrylic, and like somehow clamp it down, um, S- something along those lines. Cool. Yeah.
1: So what I used to do, I had exactly what happened to you, Ross, and it was like something that like I couldn't mess with it. I needed to get it epoxied first and then worry like work on it later. So there wasn't a flat surface yet to like other than tape and it was too big to tape was going to sag. So I literally took a piece of quarter inch plywood, covered it with the tape, put caulk around the area that it was going to go to. And then in this case, I was able to put some shallow screws that I knew I was going to plane off later. You know, I was going to go that depth. Or if you could just clamp it down, and then once the caulk's dry, then you got nothing to worry about anyway, and the caulk will hold onto that tape enough to hold it, and then you can flip it and pour it, and then you just – it's a pain cleaning off all that caulking and stuff, but um, it's not that big a deal. So that's how you uh, keep the the tape from sagging.
2: Well, another solution, um, like if you can't, say, attach a board below it, back up the tape, is to do just like a very thin layer of epoxy on it. Right. Like just enough to barely cover the bottom and like uh, the seal sides and everything. Uh, yeah. that, And then that will be your brace at the bottom. But,
1: hmm. Oh, yeah. Just do a little bit and then let it dry and then come back. That's smart. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Which, I mean, that's yeah. if you have enough time for that. So,
0: I ended well, up having to do that uh, the third time I poured it. I only poured half the depth of everything. And I'm actually going to pour clear on the underside because you're never going to see it. So, sure. um, basically the black epoxy is what's filling and yeah, that's yeah. what you're going to see from the top and then yeah, I'll yeah. backfill it with a clear. So you call yeah. that with
2: like a pigment powder. A good idea.
0: The actual black.
2: Mm-hmm. No. I was say so, it's like an alcohol ink or the, the uh, so powder? it was
0: calligraphy ink. I should have used uh, powder, but I didn't have black powder. I was out of that. So it was calligraphy ink.
2: Nice. And you're able to get yeah. dark enough to where it's like, I, I assume you want it solid or do you want it kind yes. of transparent? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah. It gets dark enough. So
0: I'm it's out awesome. of calligraphy ink now, but. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's probably an alcohol ink. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't do a lot with the inks.
2: Um, most, most everything I do is with the micro powders, but. Um,
1: micro yeah. powders cheap. I'm surprised it's not expensive at all. It's like super, super cheap and it goes forever. Well, yeah. some, some of it is. I I, I like the, the black, black is. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff.
0: I need to get some more of that. So.
1: So what so just, else Colt? Yeah, what's going I... on?
2: 24? Uh no, I mean, I guess hey, uh, I I might be talking to you guys again on which pattern we want to do for these shark like these end grain boards. yeah, I, I I'm tired of doing the side grain, you know, where it's just like a bunch of I got of slats. you, man. Like people love it, but I'd like to step it up a bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: We'll get you into real woodworking.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I we made all those side grain ones for us, but it was just because the guys that were doing it. We were just trying to create something fast out of some scraps. But I an in grain board really is the best cutting board.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's best for the knives, right? Like, um, yeah, it is. You picture like the knives sliding through like the straws, if you will, like the grains of the wood. Yeah.
0: Yeah, So let me ask this of of you gentlemen, as we are getting to the end of the year, I try and take not the entire week between Christmas and new years, Mm -hmm. but at least a few days in there to do some tool maintenance because it's the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And I try and like, just reset for January to start the year out right. So I typically take the time to sharpen uh, blades that need sharpening or rotate the heads on uh, planers or joiners or whatever else. Um, Send in some of my blades for sharpening for like the table saw and just little things like that. But I've also been looking at shop upgrades that need to happen as well. So are there any projects you guys have in store or that you would like to do to wrap up the rest of the year to get everything set for a fresh start for next
2: year? Oh yeah. Well, uh, I mean, for me, it, every Christmas for I guess the past, what, like four years has just been like, Oh my gosh, how are we going to get everything done in time? You know? So yeah. nothing happens before Christmas, but I do like, well, I do like that idea though. Starting, starting to, uh, 2024 off with a, a fresh shop you know but uh, as far as big projects which i've had this on my agenda since i first got in the shop that i'm in now is uh doing french cleats all across my uh long wall
3: Mm -hmm. and
2: yeah i i don't know i think i could do it in a weekend or at least get a bulk of it in the weekend and uh and then from there just like build the jigs uh when I got time, or when I'm doing my uh, what, what I call it, my productive procrastination. But there you I'm go. A, a, I can't wait to have that that French cleat wall up. Nice. Yeah. How about you, Jess?
1: Um, well, some of the equipment that we've got, you know, you it has to have like oils changed and grease yeah. fittings greased after a certain amount of hours. Yep. And I'm sure we're somewhere in that. I, I the only thing we've changed oil in so far is a compressor. Um, OK, and because I just I, I think it was at 500 hours is when you're supposed to change it or maybe it's 100 mm-hmm. hours. I can't remember, but of runtime. So we did that. But like a lot of my stuff has grease fittings. So we have a grease gun and there's some gear oil and some of the the like transmission things. Those have got to be changed and all that. And then like the planer in particular. So you guys have seen it. It's digital. And yeah. it says, so if I type in 7.5, that's supposed to be 7.5 inches. It's not, it's seven, it's point seven six eight.
0: So you got to calibrate it.
1: It's heavy. Yeah. And that's like, a, I don't know if it's a matter of like planing something till I feel like it's all right, this is 0.75 or close and then resetting the digital thing or me like having to take something apart and readjust some set screws somewhere uh, which is typically not easy with their stupid machines. So I'll have to look it up. I ha- I just have dealt with it. I just know okay, this is going to be heavy, and then I mic it before I goes in. The Wouldn't it be
0: nice standard. to not have that though? If you could literally have anybody come into the shop, some new person or one of your classes, and literally know yeah. that if they hit like one point, you know five, it's literally going to be one point five on the money.
1: What I'll tell you is this for most things it doesn't matter correct it only matters because if you put your tape measure on it it still reads three quarters like it still looks like three quarters yeah. but it's a thousand a hundred what what fifteen hundredths of an inch or five hundredths of an inch or something i forget so but it makes a difference when you go to sand it because when you put in the wide belt sander it doesn't have any give and so if you're trying to take off a lot It goes and it just jams up, whatever. So you have to make sure because with the the wide belt, especially if it's a larger piece, you can only run a five hundredths of an inch or five thousandths of an inch at a time comfortably without like. Have you
0: have you renamed your wide belt sander Bob Marley? Because it'd be jamming.
1: No, (laughs) I did not. I did think about naming everything though. That that is a that is. I think what you
0: should do is kind of like what they do for snow plows in the UK. And give the public the opportunity to name your tools. Idea.
1: I think that's a great idea. Why have I not oh, thought I'll come of that with some good ideas start. for that? Yeah, yeah, that is well, an excellent idea. Uh, that and then put yeah. googly eyes
2: on everything, like mm-hmm. on yes. every uh, entry, exit. Yep. And I still <laughs> yep. so
1: after this workbench con, after this workbench con, I'm going to take the stickers I get from there and the stickers that I already have. And I'm going to cover the white belt sander with it. So that nice. way it's in all the shots because that one panel in the back, I was thinking about doing something else with it, but I think that's the coolest spot because it's right in the middle of the shop. It's the first thing you see like at the end. And that way, if we ever move, we take it with us because we'll never get rid of that thing. We'll just yeah. fix it if it ever breaks. So I think, I, I like think it. I'm going nice. to just cover that sucker in that. Yeah.
0: Go ahead, Ross. I still need to get my ticket for work. Rinch yeah. Um, I've, I keep forgetting, like, every time they're like, oh, try this promo code. I'm like, I'm going to do that this weekend.
1: And I need then a I promo forget. code. I need to book them. I need to book them. Yeah.
2: I bought um, mine the same weekend as I was leaving because they had some sort of discount going. But uh, as far as the stickers, though, I put all of mine on my door, right? And I'm just planning on taking that door with me and replacing yeah, the door whenever, whenever we go. finally move out here. That's and, a good um, idea. Yeah, I also get to see them every time I go in or out of the shop. And it's a... Uh,
3: it's motivating it's
0: sometimes you know? i yeah. tried to have my family my kids and my wife help me like put the stickers on and it is not at all how i would have put the stickers on yeah and they're like super spaced out and oh they're like god. they're not straight oh and boy. i'm
2: like oh my god like
0: every time i see it it gives me like heart palpitations because oh i'm god. like
2: oh god it's all off oh god yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, I can only my, imagine. But it's a little special. You know, That they, they kind of did it with you, you know? Yeah, Damn. it is. I'm looking it's for the sort of line here, but yeah. It's, it's <laughs> on a,
0: luckily it's on like a poster frame. So oh, nice. I can move it wherever I want. But I put probably, or I gave them somewhere in the neighborhood of like 60 stickers to put on. And they ran out of room and they were like, we still have 15 stickers left. I was like, you easily could have gotten those on there. My wife was like, "They tried." And I'm like, "Oh, all right. Fine. <laughs> they tried." So, yeah.
1: anyway, back to the maintenance thing. I, I you know, some of the belts after a certain time have to be tightened so there's like yep, a little change. thing where you yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, they're not at the point of being changed it yet. I don't I hope not. But um and then as far as my saw blades being sharpened, they just don't want to seem to get dull as much as I cut. I think maybe because they're industrial, all those blades that, I mean, I do have some from home Depot. Don't get me wrong. Like the the chop saw blade. I just throw that away because it's cost more to get it sharpened than the blade costs. Right. Um, but not when you have a good blade, well, you're right. You're absolutely right. And, um, but what you should do
0: is look up like a knife sharpening place in your area. And ask them where they send their table saw blades.
1: Oh, I know to get where sharpened. to get them sharpened. I have okay. a guy that, that I have a company. That he'll sharpen anything. He'll, he'll he can even sharpen Craig bits, the step bits. Nice. He can sharpen anything. But um, yeah, and they actually sell saw blades too at this one. one there's two different places, but. Um, they just haven't gotten dull like the the big the two big saws for the bigger blades. They just don't really get dull because they're industrial ones. They, I haven't hit a nail or you know anything like that. Um, yeah. The there is one thing actually. Now that you mention it, that's just kind of been a pain in the rear. So I have the I want to make a zero clearance like or just a back plate for the miter saw. Right. Just okay. for doing a rough length cuts. Yeah. Well, cut to the reason that why is because I want to, right. And it was zero clearance in throat plate and like all that stuff, insert plate Yeah. and like a little fence in the back. It's a little difficult to build because I have that Bosch miter saw that's got that, like the hinge. It's not. the Yeah. yeah well, the one that doesn't have the massive to, back plate on it. Right. Right. You can put it close to the wall. Right hmm cut to two months ago fingers was cutting a little piece a little block and he knows how to cut a little block we've been through this right and not to mention that stupid saw that the two fences are so far apart there's a high probability if you're just trimming a little bit off of something you're not going to be on both fences you're just going to be like on the left let's say yeah or the right yep. side and so the the saw is wanting to twist it Yep. Whatever he did, all I know is I was on the table saw and I heard, bam, big loud sound. And I'm thinking, where's the blood? And I yeah. turn around and I, he, whatever he was cutting, like caught in the chop saw and threw it backwards. So, assumably, I think he didn't have it slid over to the second fence and he didn't have it against the left fence tight. Yeah. It slammed it, it broke the metal, it broke the fence off of the saw. Good Lord. It sheared the aluminum off. (laughs) And so on this saw, there's two pieces. There's a bottom part that has like a little track and a little screw thing that holds the top part of the fence in. That screws to the the table part of the the chop saw. So that's the part that was broken. So I get online and I look it up. E-replacement parts. Okay, perfect. 20 bucks. No big deal. I order it. Mm-hmm. takes a week or so to get it. They send it over. Perfect. And I got the right thing because there was like two that were like really close. So uh, that was good. So then I put it on and then I take the, the part of the fence that was still okay and I put it in. It bent it a quarter <laughs> inch back. But you couldn't tell because I couldn't put it in anything, right? Yeah. So the top part of the f- fence now needs to be replaced. They don't sell it. No couldn't one you sells it. Or couldn't you
0: straighten it in a, in a vise?
1: It's aluminum. It'll just crack. It'll just crack. Can you There's heat it no up? Way. Uh, to what end? Like, how am I going to get that straight? It's a very complicated a piece. Well, yeah. it's a very complicated looking piece. I, I mean, I guess you're right. I could try to straighten it out, but I don't think it's going to straighten out in any calibrated kind of way.
0: So probably not
1: the bottom of the fence, the part that got replaced. That's fine. It's actually square.
0: Could so, you put uh, in an auxiliary fence of like yeah. MDF?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Something, something I have to sit and think and tinker and play with it and try to figure out something to make some new auxiliary fences for this saw. And so that it still okay. works when I do like a 45 or a double miter. Yeah. Cause sometimes we do crown on cabinets and stuff in the shop. So I, I just, but you know, I never have time. Right. So yep. every time I cut, I have to make sure it's on the right side or I make sure that – and then, like, I'll do, like – I'll cut three or four pieces at a time. If I'm cutting, yeah. like, face frame pieces, I can't stack them because they all start to tilt as they get up <laughs> higher. You know what I mean? So it's just been annoying. So that's that's kind of, like, one of those things that I need to get done for the new Okay.
0: Year. Okay. Okay. Uh, the one project I would really like to do – I st- The only piece of machinery or shop furniture I still have from my original shop that was a 12-foot by 12-foot room is my miter station. And it is literally a door that I have as like the work surface. It's just a flat panel door. And then I, I screwed some two-by-fours to it, and I'm like, hey, there we go. That's a, a miter station. And it's about as ghetto as it gets but it served me well to this point, but it's time to invest in making a decent miter station. And I've looked at like right. the J Bates version and I've looked at some other people's versions and I want to make a really nice miter station, but I haven't figured out which one I want to do. And at some point I just need to bite the bullet and do it. Or maybe I design my own. I don't know.
1: Have you seen mine? But, it's super easy. Yes. It's yeah. Just two but, cabinets and some adjustable feet works great
0: yes um but as i said before whenever i do anything i drastically overdo it because that's how i do stuff so
1: well except for your current minor station
0: yes yeah <laughs> it's a reminder that i need to overdo everything
1: well then just um, put a whole bunch of drawers in it then so you at least the prob- get the two cabinets built so
0: i have upper like supports so that i have storage above it and and everything but like it's just it's a catch all, like all of my scrap wood goes up there. Mm. It's precariously balanced. I have glue kind of thrown in there that it's just i it needs some organization is what it needs. So like I also need to go through and clean out all the random pieces of wood that I'm like, I'm definitely gonna use this piece <laughs> uh, that oh, are just yeah. like stacked up in the corner. Yeah. Like it's time, it the it yeah, it's, <laughs> it's time for the annual bonfire. yeah, it's got potential. It's time for the annual bonfire. And we'll roast some marshmallows and call it a day. So, All right. well,
1: so you have an idea. I have a feeling already of what you want. It's just difficult. Yes. Yeah, that's what I figured. You yes. Know. Yeah, yep. I I I made a minor station at the other place I worked before this, and I learned from it. Um, and that's why I made it the way that I made it this time. Just simple cabinets and like mm-hmm. Craig screws, and then those amazing little feet that adjusts that you yeah. can buy on amazon that clip on cabinets yeah. and then everything's level and then i did i just laminated when i first started the shop i took four sheets of plywood three-quarter cheap china birch plywood and yep. put for or wilson art black wilson art yeah. on top of them and then i cut those up and made tops up for everything and it's it's been really great i really really like it by the way Micah, Wilson art, destroys standard grade, not wall grade. Standard grade's a little thicker. Destroys router bits. Carbide really? router bits. There's some abrasive something in it. And so because I cut all those three-quarter channels to put the T-track yeah. in, ruined bits. Like what am I doing wrong? Like I would cut a 32nd. And it just, you would pull it out and they would be black. And, like, it was, it's unbelievable. Now it doesn't, huh. you don't really ever think about it because all you ever do is do the edge, right, on it. Yeah. But if you try to actually run something through it, it destroys router bits. There's a little I wonder if it's the same you. for,
0: like, table saw blades. Like, if you did a dado stack instead of the router, <sighs> what it would do?
1: Probably over time, yeah. It probably would have been 50%. Hmm. There's something in it that is very, very hard on carbide. So huh. anyway,
2: Interessante. That's yeah, very
1: interesting. Yeah. You think
2: maybe it was just like getting pretty hot and melting it to the bit,
1: potentially? Uh, it may I don't I don't know. It could be because like I can take some of those same bits and cut through plywood, MDF, a, a walnut, a oak. It doesn't matter. They do just fine. I mean, they just you know go right through, and you go down like maybe an eighth at a time, you know, you don't want to talk out too much at a time, but as soon as you switch it over and s- cut that stuff, it's like, it just dulls, starts to dull the blades really fast. And it's funny hmm. because you can tell as soon as you cut through it and you're just cutting plywood at that point afterwards, then it's not a problem anymore. It's really weird, but I have to like really hold to the router and push really hard to get it to cut it. So anyway, man, hmm. it's good stuff though. I mean, it, you All can't right. destroy it. So I I guess you got to give somewhere.
2: Yeah, I I really do. I want a tabletop, um, with that stuff on it just for gluing up stuff.
1: So, uh, uh, here's a little nugget before we go any farther about that. Wilson art for Micah. Yeah. Find a place that sells it. Like, um, in my place, it's an architectural supply that supplies stuff to cabinets. There's one Mm -hmm. in every town because every town has got somebody that makes cabinets, right? So ask cabinet maker where he buys his linoleum. They'll have sheets That'll have a chip on the corner or a little thing, and you can get them for like five bucks instead of fifty or forty. And if you're not real particular about the color, yeah, or they'll have something that's discontinued, you know, and they don't want to sell something that's discontinued in case somebody gets damaged later. They want to be able to repair it, right? So I bought four sheets of this stuff for five bucks a piece and like this gray wood grain looking stuff that they discontinued. And I I've actually been 50. looking
0: to buy some of that stuff uh, because I've been looking at making some custom cases for like music gear. You know, like the ones that, okay. that like they always have the the, the half inch plywood with um, the laminate on top. Oh wow! And you use a riveting gun, to, uh, riveting gun to put in the aluminum frames and whatever. Mm-hmm. I've been looking at making some uh, custom stuff because I have some pieces that are. Uh, that I need to ship places and, and it's just easier to have some sort of laminate protective on it. So I'm going to look that up. That's a good idea. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, I saw that. I was like, and I'm like, you guys, she's like, we have some of this stuff every week. Something gets broke or chipped or, or something. And you know, they can't sell a four by eight sheet unless it's perfect. So anyway, okay.
0: Contact Um, submit
1: and go. There you go. Uh, I have a
0: fun story. Uh, there's a restaurant right down the street from me where some friends of ours actually own it. And my wife and I were grabbing a drink down there like three or four weeks ago. And the owner of the place, they have some of the just local gambling machines that you can play like video poker. And they were like, Hey, they're doing a a contest with these guys that if you sign up, you can win hundred bucks at whatever it was. I was like, yeah, fine. So I just signed up. Just to get some some orders in for, her. and I happened to win the hundred dollars, and I'm like, well, that's cool. So I didn't think anything of it, all right, and when I went to go collect it, they were like, "Oh, by the way, you're now entered into the grand prize drawing." And I was like, "What is that? It's actually this coming Thursday, so a couple nights from now, uh, the day before this will drop, but uh, they're giving away 35,000 dollars, and they're also giving away a Ford F150, a Ford Explorer, and a Ford Escape and i'm like even even if i win a portion of any of those that sounds fun and if nothing else i get to go and have kind of like a free fun night because right. everything is going to be covered cuz it's a gambling event so uh i'm hoping to go win all the things on thursday
2: <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. No. Good. Yeah. See, what yeah i heard
1: was so what were the what were the prizes uh
0: so $35,000 in cash
1: a cnc uh, Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, And then
0: there's also uh, a, a Ford F-150, a Ford Explorer, or a Ford wow. Escape. Oh,
1: the F-150, and
0: yeah. I would just take probably the cash value of either of those yes. or any of those. And multiple um, c No, I mean, I would probably upgrade my wife's car more than anything else. But, yeah.
1: yeah. Or
0: have just a, a splendiferous Christmas.
1: There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, oh, I never told uh, you but, what I was doing. This, what's been up with me lately? Yeah, what's going on, man? Um, did we ever talk about me refinishing that table? We the started old, the to table, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, an old customer reached out, <clears throat> and because I kind of texted some of my old people from years ago that I had messaged to say, "Hey, I got a new wood shop. You know, if you need anything," and she said, "Actually." We bought this table, like main Vietnam. It's super thick oak and it's been sitting outside and it's just a hot mess. And we tried to pressure wash it, made it worse. And I said, Okay. So I get there and it's it's all solid white oak. Like six by okay. sixes, three by sixes, eight by eights. The top is two and a half by uh eights, and they're it's wow. about seven foot long. Yeah, it's really nice. It was I mean, like I first my first thought was I'm either going to have to do this here or figure out how to take it apart because I can't carry it. It's just too heavy. Yeah. And it had to go from her backyard in this $5 million mansion. Uh, fortunately, it was paved down the one side of the house so we could kind of walk it close to the street and then kind of dolly it the rest of the way. So I looked at it, got underneath it. I said, you know, actually, I think I can take this apart. I can take the top off at least. And I put that on a dolly. Yeah. So I'll do it. I said, we'll take it. And she said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to plane it down and –
0: does it fit in? Does it fit in your web belt sander?
1: No, not even close. Okay, no, but it was planked. It wasn't a solid. Oh, okay. Top. So because right. it was outside, right? So um, I, I, she agreed to it, and we took it apart and um, got it back to the thing, planed all the top down. Actually, a face jointed the top on one side, and plane the other side. It was they were still pretty straight, amazingly. Uh, hmm. All of it was put together with dowels, hardly any screws which was interesting. It was made in Vietnam. If you can believe that Just found the sticker underneath, I guess they put, some of it was put together, right? With stainless bolts and stuff. It yeah. This Track. Anyway, I refinished the table long story way too, too long already. So we take it, I cover it in spar varnish it's one of the most beautiful things. I said, if she doesn't want this table, I will take this table. This is the most beautiful. It had, like, because it was, like, grade two oak, right? So it had, like, knots yeah. in it and burls. And, like, some of it was quarter sawn. So there's, like, tiger stripes. Oh, it was just gorgeous. And it had a trestle base. It was really pretty. And it even had stainless feet to hold it off the ground. It was just perfect. So we got it all done. Hmm. And we were really proud of it. Got it all put back together which was quite difficult. I rounded some of the edges to make it pretty. And she calls me and she goes, wow, this table is absolutely beautiful. It is completely the wrong color. And I said, um, what? And she said, it was gray when I got it. And I said, well, I had no idea what color it was because there was nothing left, but dry rotted wood. And she goes, well, I think it's beautiful, but it just doesn't match anything. What can we do? Mm. And so it's full of cracks and stuff. And I'm like, well, I said, we'll just have to wash it with some gray. I said, you know, old style, like we used to do in the store where you met me. We'll paint it with some exterior white paint, which I got to find some sort of exterior gray paint that will stick to oil-based polyurethane or scuff it, I guess. the base is pretty I have rough. a
0: solution for you, but go ahead.
1: And paint it. And then kind of distress it back through a little bit so it's got like mm-hmm. that grayish wash. And the gray will stick in all the cracks and stuff. What and, color did you she,
0: put on it? Just like a natural nothing. finish?
1: Yeah, just polyurethane. It's just natural okay. white oak with like a little bit of an amberish color because of the polyurethane. So they seemed to like that idea. That was kind of like her idea too. And so I said, but you have to pick the gray. I'm not picking it. You just pick a gray. Tell me what the color is and I'll figure out what paint, exterior paint I can use. And then we'll do that. So that's one, the cabinet job that I did. Um, Wait, before
0: you go off of this, this table, I have a solution for you and you're going to thank me for it. I actually had a, a long video call with the owner of Gork's Goodfilla, the stuff that you turned me onto the wood filler stuff.
1: I know. I'm yeah.
0: So turns out that guy also had started tight bond uh, the stuff that I was using from Australia. He had started it. That was his family. And then he divested from that and has started his own. But anyway, um, he has made a product that is a a stain and paint base that it basically when you open it up, it looks like hair gel, but it's clear. And you can literally dye it with some inks and dial it into whatever color you want. But you can literally rub it on top of the polyurethane, and it's water-based, and it coats everything and totally changes the color. And you can still see all the grain and see everything through it. And it dries in 20 minutes. There is no odor to it because it's water-based. And then you can just polyurethane on top of it, and it's totally changed the color. What? He designed it for refinishing cabinets.
1: That sounds like that stuff that uh min wax used to make that never really looked very good. And it was like stain, but it was like polyurethane and stain really. I forget what it was called. And yeah, you that, that weird
0: gel stain stuff. That yeah. yeah.
1: No, it wasn't gel stain. It was a coating. You put two coats, but it was always really splotchy. And I well that's interesting. I'll look into that. I'll look into yeah, that. I'll
0: send you a link on it. Uh but they actually sent me some to try out because I'm gonna need to use it for um for the Spalted maple table. That's the, interesting.
1: Um, will it stick to oil-based yeah. polyurethane, though?
0: Yes, it will. He even did it on lacquers. He did it on polyurethane. He showed me on the video, like, just put everything on, and it totally changed the color of it. He's like, 20 minutes, it's done. There's no odors. You can put another coat of finish on top of it to protect it, but you're totally you set. What tin it with? Um, so you can use... He, he sent me some... Um, They're like inks that you can stain it with, Um, but it's like a, yeah, it's an alcohol-based ink, but I'll send you the, um, I'll send you a picture of what the ink is, but yeah, it's uh, it's,
1: but I have to put another top coat on top of that.
0: Yes, but you don't have to strip off the old one is the big part.
1: Yeah. Well, I wasn't going to strip off the old one, but that, that is interesting. I'll look into that. That's a good idea. That's a good idea.
0: Because you can literally just wipe it on and be done in a matter of like an hour.
1: Right. Um, okay, so that's that. I got to deal with that. Uh, I made a bar top for uh, – that. this has been the month of callbacks. I did the bar top for a guy, and I told him doing a wood bar top in the middle of your kitchen that it's heavy use is a terrible idea, and he didn't believe me. And he wanted me to use the same water-based polyurethane that he used, and I said, that's fine. And so I used it, and it got all scratched up and It was walnut, yep. and and I said, well, "Okay." And I said, "Well, should put, have had
0: an epoxy coat put, on put, top."
1: Yeah, I talked about that, but he was trying to be cheap. He was very much trying to be cheap, and so I Those said, "Those are the best customers." Yeah, and <laughs> so he's from New Zealand. He owns, actually, he owns a company that makes uh, mos- mosquito repellers for your home. Interesting oh. guy, but anyway, so I have to basically just go over there and scuff that and put a coat of oil-based polyurethane on it. It, I mean, it's good enough for floors, so it should be good enough for that. So I got to do that tomorrow. Uh, We had another customer reach out to us the other day, and she bought one of those. This is like so... This is like... I I hope... I don't know how I'm going to put it online, but this is like so a woodworker's... Like, this is a dream story. So she went to Home Depot... And she bought – her house flooded. It was one of those people whose house flooded in St. Petersburg. Remember I did those other cabinets yeah. and the people yeah. got them all scratched up? Well, this is yep. her neighbor. And okay. she bought – and her thinking um, – so as it turns out, her, at the same time all this happened, she was also about to remodel her bathroom because the, sh- the floor pan started to leak. It was old. So okay. she's like, all right, let's just do the whole bathroom. And she bought a vanity. Well, she wanted a floating vanity, which are pretty cool. Yep, and so that way, if it floods again, it doesn't run the vanity. I'm like, okay, whatever. So, so it's up off the floor. So she bought one at Home Depot, and it was cute. And they put the top on it, and it fell off the wall. It literally ripped right out of the cabinet.
0: What and did they it, try to anchor it to?
1: So it comes with its own bracket system. That the brackets are still there. They put blocking behind the tile. They did a great job installing it. Did it's they bro- just? A, did- it says Wait, it can it- hold up the top, but if you look at how the system's designed, it has like these front – it's like these metal brackets that kind of like hook like that.
0: Yeah, it's and like a French cleat
1: style. Yeah. She took a picture and – but it's a 20-inch deep cabinet. So they put the sink and the countertop on it, and she came in the next morning, and the whole thing had ripped off the floor. Thank God they didn't put the plumbing in yet. So um, so did did it bend – the French cleats. it bent the little cheap crappy brackets and not uh, to mention they're okay. just, gal- they're just like zinc plated anyway. So they're in a bathroom. They would have rusted and bent eventually anyway. So yeah.
0: anyway, with the plumbing so, and then it would have been a bigger mess. Oh,
1: then you really would have had a mess. Right. So I said, yeah, I can make one of those. Like that's not that hard. I probably even could fix the one that she's got up, but we're not going to tell her that. So no. I will, I'm going, I'm going to make one of those probably. Out of wood? I'm going to make it a styrofoam. Yes, I'm going to make it oh, out of out of wood and make I didn't it know so if the, you
0: were gonna do it out of like, you know, angle iron or it something. It was just
1: white. It's just a white shaker cabinet. But there's a way to okay. do the three quarter plywood so that I mean you literally yeah. would have to like it's 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 just not that hard to make it strong. Honestly, no. What she had, but the thing she had, it's all particle board and MDF and all those screws are mm-hmm. holding into that. Like what in the world are they thinking when they design those things? So anyway, so we're going to make one of those. I'm assuming uh, I don't. she hasn't got my price yet, but it's not going to be that much. And then yeah. um, we had a AmeriLife company reach out to us to make a big bench for their conference room because sometimes they have so many people in there. They got to like wait to speak. So yeah. it's 15 foot long bench, 36 nice. inch. Yes, yeah, got a back. So I have to have an upholstery company make these leather cushions for it. And it's all getting uh, laminate over it to match the rest of it. Um,
0: you know who actually does really high end cushions for fairly cheap? Who's that? Look at automotive uh, reupholstery places. Automotive. So places that do like.
1: Yeah, I call uh, it an upholstery place. Yeah, but the ones that
0: specialize in doing like car interiors and car seats,
1: Uh
0: uh, because they have all this foam and they typically don't, they have to work quickly based on everything. And they're used to doing like minute detail trim stuff, but they're much faster uh, than a typical upholstery place and a little bit more efficient. And they usually also have higher grade um, material. Material because it has to be automotive that's going to get worn in and out of all the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, we got, we got one person that got back to us and it wound up after, I mean that we don't know how much upholstery is going to be yet, but she said 30, dollars a yard and up. So I figured $40 a yard and it came up to about 1800 bucks for what I needed. So, uh, We'll see. They said that it sounded good. Oh, and then he's like, also, the smokers area outside, they keep buying these benches from Home Depot, and they're all like, this one's like six months old. And when he took it out and showed it, it's like all falling apart and rusted. And I said, okay. I was like, I can make you a couple outdoor benches. And so I gave him a price on that. They immediately said, go ahead on the benches, but they got to get the other thing approved first, and they'll do it all as one. So we're waiting on that. Are
0: you going to do it out of ePay?
1: I am not. I am actually, I found... A I found a company because it's a very wet area uh under these oak trees. I am actually going to buy these commercial um galvanized tube steel frames that you put okay. the slats on yourself and mm-hmm. um because he said some of the guys that work there are like three hundred and fifty pounds, and I really don't want the legs sitting in the dirt because there's it's not on pavement so um eBay would hold that it would. It would, but I don't have an Ipe. I'm gonna make it out of out of um eight-quarter white oak and just put spar on it, like three or four coats of spar, and it should do fine. So it'll be like big and beefy. So it should last a while. It's all welded and everything. And then okay. um I'm also let's see what else. Uh yeah, that's it for right now. Um well, oh, and I'm doing it and I do it a built-in. So one of the girls I and this is, this this circles back to you. One of the girls that we originally reached out to that was a designer kept our number. She fit, she friended us on Facebook, and then when we did the class, she came to the woodworking class, the free class nice. that we did. And then she said, I want this in my house. So she showed me, showed me this big design of this office that she wants to do in her house with these two built-ins okay. on either side. And I told her the price. She's, but the cabinets were really odd size, Ross. At yeah. They were like… 20 inches deep uppers with glass doors that slid back for a plant. And I was like, all right, it's going to be this much money. And she goes, that's just out of our budget. And I said, all right, listen, why don't you use these other cabinets from our get me cabinet side? And then we'll just change a little bit of thing here. And then we'll make one custom cabinet for your printer. That's got a slide out so he can get his printer in and out. Right. And I say, it's like half. And she's like, Oh, well then let's do that. And so she looked at the cabinets we picked them out and so we put the base cabinets in today and um we are going to they're going to put the countertops in and then we'll put the uppers are actually going to sit on the on those cabinets there and kind of make nice. it look like a built-in once that comes in. So we put the the, the lowers in today and she is a certified SketchUp um pro pro and that's all she does all right she's also it's her side hustle actually but she during covid she got into like stuff so she got an interior design thing and then she got certified in sketchup and she has another product a program called rhino which i don't i don't know what that is but um and she designs anything and everything and she does it for contractors at 150 dollars an hour Doing SketchUp. Yep, and so I'm like, man, I want to learn it so bad. This other guy, my friend, he does uses it for all his stuff, and we can't mm-hmm. afford to pay her that. But she's like, I can show you some things, you know, if you want. And I don't know, yep. I just need to take a class on it. But even you her can do being it before- online. I know. In all
0: honesty, the stuff that you've been doing to learn the laser and just following the one guy on YouTube, I know. there are literally tutorials on YouTube, full classes. That's how I've learned all of it.
1: Well, it's free. The, the biggest thing is time, right? So what I yes. will say is this, if you Ross never, never met me and you were taking bids from three different companies for a kitchen yep. and I'm 18,000 and the other guy is 17,000 and the other guy is 20,000. If I was able to show you that kitchen in some type of 3d fashion that would sell the kitchen, especially Correct. if I could show them like if they pick, cause this one last one I did, they picked like the most expensive one that was like stained. And it's really pretty. And it's like this grayish Brown color. And, but they, they didn't know what it was going to look like. It's just a number, you know, like a kitchen's a kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, and they don't have any brains on what, what they're asking for. If I would have <laughs> had a sketch up thing with like, at least an interpretation of that color and how it's going to be laid out, how they're going to have lazy Susans and the, Um, but it takes her, so she, she showed me what she did just for her little built-ins and she said it took her 10 hours to design that, that, um, office. And I don't have 10 hours, I don't have 10 hours to, to do it. Not now. Not right now, I, it's just me, I mean dave does is like point five, so like i just i don't I don't have time to spend ten hours. I don't even have any time at home, so it is something that we're going to do. it is something that I'm going to learn. It's just got to be busy enough to where I have people working for us that we can um pay to do yeah. it. yeah, oh, that's the other thing. We had a big yep. meeting with the owner of the company and our website yep. guy and all that, and it went really well he was very awesome. happy and he was like let's put fuel on the fire let's start to advertise so we're going to actually pay a lot of money for google ads so it's about nice. to get really busy and, awesome um, congrats I, man yeah, yeah. there's a lot there's a lot going on well there's even while i was
2: on. there y'all were getting calls uh, people were finding you were, you're the first one on google and yeah. um, so i heard you asked several customers like when they would call me uh, answer their calls in the shop like how they found you, and yeah, first on Google—that's That's huge. Man. We have over twenty,
1: over twenty-five star reviews now on Google. All right. That's so, huge. so I will say that if you're in our area, well, it does. I don't even know if it matters, but if you, he went on Google incognito and typed in, uh, like custom woodwork, and we popped up within the top ten on Google.
0: That's huge.
1: So that's pretty big, right? So he knew what he was yeah. doing. He's he's re- I mean, it, I don't like the way the site looks, but it works. It's very. It's Googled. not for you. No, it isn't. It's for Google. It's for Google mm-hmm. and for the customer. But it's about who we are, and we got to start writing blogs. By the way, for anybody that's making a website, blogs are text, and text is is fantastic. So, hmm. yeah. Anyway, so that's that's kind of just what's been going on with us.
0: Well, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. But I think more than anything else, I've noticed that our friend Colton here has been kind of quiet on this podcast, mm-hmm. and I would like to know more about Colton. Is there any chance you could do a rapid-fire questionnaire for
2: Absolutely. Colton? Here? Absolutely.
1: All right, Absolutely. I, give me a
2: second. Let me get pumped up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, hit me. You got You, know, you got a drink? You got to take a swig of it?
2: I know. Well, I ran out of my drink. Unfortunately, I <laughs> <You> drank. <but laughs> just about. All right. All
0: right I, got, I got one last sip. Let's get it. Woo. Hold on. Let me let me get this clock ready. So do to. you
1: want to do it two, Ross, or just Colt?
0: Let's hear what Colton's got.
1: All right, you got three I minutes. I think next man. week I want to do it. Okay, oh, I like so that. I like that, are, idea. I like that idea.
0: Are you ready, Colton?
1: Let's get it, baby. All right, you give me a countdown.
0: Three minutes
1: starting in three, two, one, go. If you could choose any animal to be your permanent sidekick, which animal would it be? Oh, animal. I'd yeah. uh,
2: I, I do a little uh, spider monkey, man. That'd be great.
1: Uh, okay. S- What's the most bizar- stuff? Oh, yeah. What's the most bizarre dream you've ever had?
2: Bizarre dream. Oh, man. I had one where I was a bumblebee, but they were like zombies. Um, <laughs> if that kind of sums it
1: up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay, so if you were a superhero, what would your superpower be, and what would be your weakness?
2: Oh, superhero... I mean, I, I like the flying a lot. I think that'd be fun. I, I don't think I'd get over that. What
1: would be your weakness?
2: <clears throat> My weakness would be uh, planning ahead nice. on stuff. No, I'm just okay. <laughs> no. no um, ooh.
1: Procrastination. Uh.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, like ne- uh. needing to sleep or something like that. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> Imagine you're an Olympic athlete. What obscure, made up sport would you compete in?
2: Oh, um, being able to throw pieces of scrap wood into the trash can from across the shop.
1: Heck yeah! Yeah. If right. you if you could time right. if, t- if you could time travel, but only to last Thursday, what would you do differently?
2: You saying like when I was in Florida? Oh, oh, you mean I'd make my flight? <laughs> that's what you're saying. Uh,
1: that was the question. I didn't make that up. Well, yeah, yeah. but only well,
2: like, two oh, Thursday. Like, what, okay. That wasn't last Thursday, but yeah, two no, days ago when I missed. When I missed my flight, I would have not missed that flight. I missed about four minutes.
1: No, just uh, last Thursday. What would you do if you had to do last Thursday? Um, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I guess we had some Christmas parties.
2: I I, um, I don't know. I wouldn't do anything differently. I had a good time.
1: Okay. Would you rather have a rewind button or a pause button for your life?
2: Oh, rewind. Oh, Yeah
1: definitely okay be if to, you were right. a ris- if, yeah. if you were a wizard what would be your signature spell
2: signature spell uh turn water into whiskey
1: oh that would be awesome yeah That's a good one. what's it's the, the funniest Elf, thing that right. you've ever done that you're willing to share I said funniest the funniest thing yeah. you've ever said or done
2: oh sheesh. I like my uh, oh that one joke I made for the whiskey of the week the other week uh, about the proctology exam. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess that one that that was good one.
1: Yeah, I like that one. That's prostate Tango. If yeah. you could only <laughs> Ten use seconds. if you could only use one emoji for the rest of your life, which one would it be?
2: Uh, the thumbs up emoji, or That's the hang loose one. one of those What's two. your
1: go to dance? Time. Go- all right, you got nine, Colton. Nine dance
2: move is twerk. But...
1: <laughs> All right, very good, very Hello. good. All right, so we'll we'll uh, put a little asterisk here and let what's his name start with that one next week. Yep. Very good, very good. What's we his name? El- being El- me, yeah. The you what? Oh. Mr. Old Elk. Yeah, himself,
0: Mr. Old Elk. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, I
0: I mean that was fun. We learned a little bit. Yes. um Yeah. Do you have a Wood of the Week for us?
1: I do. I do have a Wood of the Week. And this Wood of the Week was brought to us by a viewer, by a fan of the Beat Around the Bench podcast. All right. That's awesome. Uh, And it's my wife. Wow. 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 Wood of the Week. Now, I'm going to go off on a little tangent about this wood here. Because this is supposed to be the rarest wood that kind of exists, right? And it kind of exists in like most countries, but it's not okay. a specific wood, okay? And I have never heard of it, right? What we have heard of, like you've heard of this, Ross, and you've heard of this called pecky. You've heard of pecky, right? Yeah. Right? Well, this Is Not full of holes It's the And you know Pecky's really soft right This stuff is called bog wood Sometimes spelled with a dash Sometimes not Like a bog Like B-O-G And so what happens is this wood Is timber from trees That have fallen Into these bogs Into these marshes and because of the acidic nature of the of the decaying matter that's around them, and a word that I had to look up, anaerobic conditions, which means without oxygen, mm-hmm. it okay. petrifies the stuff, and some hmm. bogwood is thousands of years old, thousands, not like hundreds, thousands. So basically, it's a fossilization. It happens in conditions like lakes, river bottoms, swamps, and it basically – it's not petrified wood. It's different, and the lack of oxygen and the presence of water flow and depth continue to uh, mature the wood and its hardness. It's very expensive to get because you got to dig it up from underwater, underground underwater. It has to dry sometimes for almost uh it, well first of all, you can't just throw it in a kiln, so it's got to air dry and they almost like kind of halfway wrap it so it doesn't lose water too fast because it'll crack all up and it can take up to seven years for it to to dry um mm. it it is you know like it's got some crazy variations in color, but a lot of times it's black because of all the acid and acidic things that are going yeah. on with all like the peat moss and stuff that's down in there, uh, going, huh. but anywhere from golden copper to black, um, you can buy it. I mean, you can buy bogwood Now, the biggest one that I've seen is bog Oak, right? You see a lot of bog Oak, bog pine and bog bog, uh, Cypress, right? You, in the UK here, it's really kind of where you, you hear about it the most, um but there was ter-
0: a there was a show that was on i want to say history or discovery channel
1: okay way back.
0: i'm talking like 10 12 years ago that was called swamp loggers yeah and these guys literally would would dive underwater to get yes. some of these trees that had fallen hundreds of years ago that's going for the C-
2: second cypress the- right
1: yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of state. it was that table but like, I
2: worked with like two years ago. Yeah.
1: So it's kind of like yeah. it's kind of like a fossil, right? Like sometimes that thing doesn't fossilize, it rots, right? Yeah. But sometimes the conditions are just right where it starts to petrify. And so um, you know, it can take up to a few years, up to seven years in some cases isn't unheard of to dry out a large piece of this, like a slab or something. And it's super huh. duper 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 hard. Uh, I don't have a Janka hardness on it because it varies so greatly, but it's super duper hard because it's petrified. Right. And they used to make, um, it actually has like a cultural significance in Scotland. They made, and we're going to, you guys are going to learn two new words as well. They made, uh, dirks. And this one word is called a siandu, or, or it's, it's not spelled. A, a, a skin do, a skin do. Mm-hmm. is that right?
0: A skin do is the knife you wear yes. in your sock
1: yes. under your kilt. Yes, and a dirk was the same. Yeah, a, I looked up skin do. I don't know where I put the thing on it. Uh, a dirk is a thrusting dagger, right? And mm-hmm. a skin do was kind of the That's same. That's the one thing. you
0: wear on your belt. And the skin yes. do is and the the, m- uh, the smaller knife you wear tucked into your sock.
1: Yeah, yeah, something like that. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Uh Skeen Dew is a small single-edged knife that is traditionally worn as part of a Scottish Highland dress along with the kilt. Gaelic means black knife. And it was called that because they use bogwood to make the handle sometimes, and bogwood is black. So very interesting there you thing. Go. And so we said we try to find something um, famous that was made with yep. bogwood. It was used in the construction of the throne of Peter the Great and the bedroom suite of Louis the Fourteenth. They used hmm. bogwood to make their thing. So I looked it up. You can buy some. There's, like, people that sell pen blanks and stuff. Um, yeah. As far as, like, per board foot, if you kind of, like, I averaged it. Like, this one guy was selling a piece that was 63 inches long and about 13 inches wide and a little over an inch and a half thick, and it was almost $600. So it was like sixty dollars a board foot, something like that. It's somewhere so,
0: close to that, yeah. What's
1: interesting is, is that once it's gone, it's gone, right? Like, yeah, you know. And unless somebody goes and gets it, you don't get any more of it. So anyway, bogwood. It is
0: kind of like a fossil
2: fuel.
1: It, 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 yeah. is. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. So anyway, there you go. I like
2: follow up question, Ross. Do you own a kilt?
0: I own two kilts. Oh
1: uh, baby. You should wear that at WorkbenchCon con one night. Uh,
0: no, uh, <laughs> the reason I will not. So, uh, I own two kilts. Uh, I have a formal, actually I have one that's like a black tie version and one that's like a normal kilt myself and all my groomsmen wore kilts for my wedding. Oh, nice. Uh, the problem is when, cause I'm Scottish by descent. So that's why, but, uh, when when you wear the formal kilt attire, everything like the kilt alone is nine yards of wool, and it literally weighs like thirty pounds. And I'm Whoa. not kidding. Oh,
1: because all the it's tuffs? heavy.
0: Yeah. Um. When you're when you're in the full kilt attire, your socks are a good half inch to three quarter inch thick socks of wool. Everything you're wearing, with the exception of your shirt, is wool. So unless it is like thirty degrees outside, you are sweating like a whore in church.
1: So yeah, because it's cold there. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a real kilt's hot. Interesting. Yes. Very very. Yeah. When interesting. you're in the full
0: black tie kilt attire, it is very warm. Very, very warm.
1: Very interesting. Okay. Well, that was this week's wood of the week, and thank I you like for it. the mental image of you in a kilt. You're welcome. I, I
0: can I really send pictures that. if you want.
1: Uh, I would love to. Only under the quilt. Okay. <laughs> Are you looking up uh, I mean, I want to see that one.
0: Uh, so is there any trivia based on the Wood of the Week?
1: There is not trivia based on the Wood of the Week. I went off on a tangent again, and it okay. is to do with woodworking, but okay. it's more to do with what we've been talking about lately, specifically Colton.
0: We've been and, talking about Colton. And, is and this you, trivia about Colton?
1: No, oh. it's not. That would be pretty sweet, though. I uh, shouldn't uh, it would be. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it in concerned. second. I don't know what that would mean. <laughs> well, spoiler alert, the last podcast for our listeners at the end of the year is going to be 15 questions of trivia all about our previous episodes of the podcast. So I hope You're- that you've been listening. Colton, you're going to get questions about Ross and me. And, Ross, you're going to get questions about Colton and me. Love so it. So you're going to have to remember. And it won't be like, what, is, what are the week questions? It'll be like, he said so-and-so, what was the name of the place? So I've actually got to go back and listen to a bunch of them and pull some snippets out. Ross, I think and, we should uh, uh,
2: I think we should question make some questions for Jess, too. I think we should. I think absolutely, only be fair.
1: you should. I will take them. I love trivia. I love trivia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love right. trivia.
0: Okay. All right, quizmaster, you got something for us? Better get on out that knowledge, cause it's trivia time.
1: I do. So this uh, this trivia of ten questions has questions about epoxy, questions about lasers, lasers. and questions about welding because some of our okay. woodworkers do some like metal table bases and stuff I like and it. about and about wood finishes okay we'll briefly briefly touch on each subject now i did cross reference all of this and i have a little information about each one so i'll try to be brief with it to not bore everybody to death with all this these words but question number 1 oh oh and by the way this is going to be new For all trivia, except for the ones that are pointing to a specific person, we are no longer going to do back and forth.
3: Okay. since
1: we don't have buzzers, I thought of this the other day. This is how I would like to start doing it. If you would like to answer the question, you have to buzz in. But we don't have buzzers. So you have to make a sound. Okay? Done. So, Ross, your sound... Will be uh, some type of animal. Okay. You get to pick. So, what type of animal would you like your buzzer to be?
0: Mm, I will grace you with that, my first question. Okay.
1: (laughs) That you want to answer. Now, there is multiple choice, but you don't get to hear the multiple choice until you buzz in. All right. See if you're going to get it. We'll do this as a point system, and I'm going to start keeping track. All right. Okay. Colton, you also will be an animal. Do you know what animal you're going to be? Um, might do a goat. Might. Okay. It, it, it. Okay. Like that. that was pretty solid. <laughs> That's well pretty Thanks. darn good goat, I will say. Alright. Alright, are we ready? Question one. I will read the question and then you can buzz in. You do not have to wait for me to read the entire question before you buzz in. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, if you start Ready. to hear it and you're like, "Yeah, like I know this." Question number one: Epoxy trivia. What is the primary chemical component of epoxy resin? It's a hard question. Mm. Oh. you will have multiple. I mean, so we get the we, uh, I'll, okay. Wait, Ross, with Ross with the gorilla. All right, Ross. Uh,
0: is it epoxy?
1: Is it polyethylene is it bisphenol A diglycidyl ether is it polyvinyl chloride is it ethylene glycol
0: D ethylene glycol
1: that is incorrect
0: it is
1: bisphenol A diglycidyl ether or badge B-A-D-G-E now I looked Ooh. up. Um, I oh, looked I got up that wrong this, too. yeah, about epoxy, and there is that's kind of like the main one, right? That's what they use this biphenol diglycidyl ether, which is a low molecular resin, right? And you mm-hmm. cure it mostly. So your hardener, right? You got two part epoxy. There's different types. Yep. There's amines, anhydrides, phenols, and thiols. And you know how you guys buy, like, slow set, thick set, you know, fast set? Yeah. So amines is the most widely used. They react at room temperature, a little higher, right? Okay. Anhydrides are used at elevated temperatures, very low viscosity, and a long open time. They can be used with mineral fillers for, like, high-voltage electric insulators because they use epoxy in those. Phenols, they react as, at elevated temperatures. They usually need a catalyst. Um, And they can react with their own phenolic groups, blah, 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 used for powder coatings, right? Hmm. And thiols, they're very reactive, even at lower temperature, perfect for domestic DIY adhesives, uh, chemical rock bolt anchors where there's no heating or possible thiols have a pungent odor. So you can see that they use like a blend of these to make it set slower or set faster. And basically what happens is it starts to connect all the different things in the epoxy and kind of creates a, a molecular molecular bond, bond. a molecular bond Hmm. to, to put it very simply. You literally could read for like two days on epoxy. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, so badge, everybody remember badge. All right. So on the, on epoxy question, number two, epoxy resins were first, first synthesized in which decade? Okay, Ross, is it the 1920s? The The, is that your answer? Yeah, (laughs) that is incorrect.
3: They were
1: first synthesized in the 1930s, if you can believe that. Really? Yeah. So, um, were like boat making? No, actually, it's very interesting that you would say that. So, a German man named Paul Schlack. S-C-H-L-A-C-K, patented epoxy in 1934. And then um, some people claim like this This other guy named Pierre Caston and um, somebody else started to do it. caston started using them, though, the first thing to make dental prosthetics, huh. synthetic dental prosthetics.
0: Probably so, better than wooden teeth.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. So okay. Okay. anyway, uh, all right. So at 46 is when they started patenting it for some other stuff. So it's got a long history, but anyway, 1934 was the, by the Germans. All right.
0: The Germans. So efficient. So,
1: Germans. Okay. Uh, now onto lasers. lasers, 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 question number three, diode lasers, primary, primarily emit light through what mechanism?
2: Nah. Okay. <laughs> I go?
1: cult, <laughs> cult, is it incandescence? Um, is it electroluminescence? Is it chemiluminescence or chemiluminescence or bioluminescence?
2: Um
1: I wanna go with uh, the incandescence incandescence that is incorrect so it is actually electroluminescence okay. electroluminescence is basically where you electricity that. electricity uh causes something to emit light gives off its mm. electrons a diode by the way this is where i really went down a rabbit hole a diode is something that lets electricity through but not the other way and there's oh. actually like little holes in it kind of like a filter And so basically, it's a backflow valve, yes, exactly, for electricity. And so, to make it very simply put, you apply this electricity to this diode, and the diode emits light, and then it focuses all that light and those electrons, which turn into photons as they come out like a torpedo and uh, focus it a whole bunch of electric, a whole bunch of photons coming out of one spot. I looked up this whole thing about lasers. I watched it a long time ago. So this guy invented it, thought of it, figured out how to do it, put it on paper, and went and had it notarized. Four days later, GE patented it, and he didn't know, and they fought for it for like 40 years in court, and he finally won. And he's like super-duper rich, right? But these people at GE were trying to figure it out. As soon as they invented the LED, Right? And diodes and all that stuff. And so, anyway, there you go. So, it's electroluminescence. All right. So, that's by the way how LEDs work as well. So, next question number four. And I gave you a little hint where were diode lasers first developed? Okay, Ross. Is it Germany, the United States, Japan, or the United Kingdom? Germany. That is incorrect. It was in the
0: United States. Both
1: the United States.
0: So, I mean, you said GE, but I figured it was the Germans, you know.
1: Yeah, they, they actually did a, a documentary on that guy, and they show him at the end of the documentary, like, on a mountain. He took his helicopter there just to have, like, lunch. And Hmm. he he was, he became quite. I
0: often take my helicopter just to go
1: get lunch. He was quite, (laughs) quite, quite rich. My wife doesn't appreciate my helicopter. Yeah.
0: (laughs) No, I find they rarely do.
1: Um, (laughs) Anyway, you could like go down. You start looking about lasers because there's like CO2 lasers and all that stuff. It's very interesting. Uh, All right. Next question. We're on to welding.
0: Number five.
1: Now this one's kind of a wild one. So so is Colton. Sometimes. um, (laughs) There is is no multiple choice. What temperature range is – what's the minimum temperature? Let's put it that way. What's the minimum temperature for TIG welding of steel? And for bonus points, what does TIG stand for? Ooh, ooh. Okay, Ross.
0: Uh, forty-two hundred degrees.
1: That is in Fahrenheit. That is incorrect. You should have said Celsius. It is six thousand degrees. Mm. And for the bonus question, what does what does TIG stand for? So, yeah. Go ahead, <laughs> Ross. How you get that I
2: mean, <laughs> Well, it. I know the first word is tungsten. Yes. Uh, Tungsten is great. That's what it stands for. That is (laughs) Tungsten iron
0: grafting?
1: No, tungsten inert gas.
2: Uh, Oh,
1: yes. So tungsten inert gas. So TIG welding is, um, well, I won't talk about it anymore because there's another question about TIG welding. But yes, it stands for tungsten inert gas. They use that to build cars they use it to build airplanes they use it to build nasa they they use tig welding for all kinds of things
0: is tig welding the one that is mostly for like aluminum and softer metals Um, or is that a question that's coming up
1: well yeah kind of it'll touch on it so question number six which welding technique uses a non-consumable electrode
0: is this multiple choice or no sure i want to hear colton do the goat again
1: (laughs) Is it MIG welding, TIG welding, stick welding, or flux cord arc welding?
2: A non-consumable electrode. So it has no consumables? Like there's no so it's not MIG then, right? Uh what was the other options? We got MIG.
1: MIG TIG Stick Welding and Flux Cord Arc Welding. Let's go flux core. It is that is incorrect. It is still yeah, TIG, yeah, welding. Yeah, TIG welding. TIG yeah. welding uses, uh, it according to the Universal Universal Technical Institute, um, it's it's formed between the tungsten electrode and the work. The arc that is produced by the electrodes is intense and makes TIG welding perfect for high quality welds. electrodes not good. So, if and you ever so see anybody, I, I got t- another
2: question question for him yes. that too so you, you mentioned tig and then another option was stick i always referred to tig welding as stick welding is, is that not the same i guess
1: i don't know i don't know no because okay. i've seen I, I, people i think with tig welding you've got a little rod that you put with the with the laser right in that tig welding
2: yeah Well, it's like the the rod then you grip onto it but.
1: Mm-mm. Uh, I, well, in the pictures that I see of the guy TIG welding, he's got the torch with the tungsten tip and then he's got, got the you. the electrode and he's pushing it. I may not know as much it.
2: about welding as I thought I did. <laughs> hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, I do uh, want to have a welder then, at some point in the shop, but not in this yeah, shop, but okay, next shop.
1: Yeah. As its name implies, the electrodes used in TIG welding are tungsten electrode. Tungsten creates a non consumable electrode. It has a high melting point and offers great amounts of electrical conductivity. All right. Next question this is about wood finishes wood finishes okay, i have a chance <clears throat> shellac a traditional wood finish is primarily composed of what nah. ooh,
2: ooh. ooh. yeah you ooh. can take it awesome
1: if, you, if you want it man it uh, is right, primarily will, boiled linseed oil shellac yes that is incorrect that is incorrect uh, would you Colton like to chance Colton, is it a plant resins, B secretions of the lac bug, C petroleum distillates, or D synthetic polymers? Uh, B,
2: the bug one.
1: That is correct. It is from a bug. What is very interesting, the Kiria lacca but beetle um, is used in so much stuff you would have no idea. They use it in food. They use it to make dye. They use it to coat food. They use it to... um, Is
0: this a globally available beetle?
1: uh, No, it's in India. I mean, maybe they bring him over to the States, but... it, huh. They use. I'd be it to curious coat. to see like a how it's made of like how they, they mass yeah mass well, manufacture
2: they, Beetlejuice. I love that
0: show by the way. <laughs>
1: yeah, <Beetlejuice. laughs> so they'll use it to put around uh, pharmaceutical products because it only dissolves in higher acids, and so that way, like if they need it to digest in your lower gut, like it is used in more things than uh-huh. you could possibly imagine. But it's edible, right? But they also use the secretion for um, making shellac. Uh, shellac is usually hmm. mixed with alcohol by the way yeah yeah okay so yeah um and well, give me
0: another chance what's the next question
1: all right so you're you were you were close you're you were on the where this was going which wood finish is known for its water repelling properties ooh, ooh. ross is it lacquer linseed oil shellac or varnish I mean,
0: technically all of them do have water repelling properties. Yeah. Just the level of them is not as right consistent between them. Right. Uh, I'm gonna go with linseed oil.
1: Yes, it is. Linseed oil, also known as flaxseed oil or flax oil, is a colorless yellowish oil obtained from dried ripened seeds of the flax plant. So that is where we get hmm. linseed oil. All right. We this- oil- are tied
2: at one apiece. <laughs>
1: yes.
2: <laughs> Wait, linseed oil is also um- Cause for most people's uh, shop fires, right? And you don't dry out your yes. rags.
1: Yes, that yeah. is right. Especially once it's boiled. Uh, One oh, is, oh, is there a difference? I guess.
2: Because yeah. they make linseed, oh, I didn't. Oil. I didn't know there was a difference between. I, I always just thought it was boiled linseed oil.
1: Linseed oil is nice because it turns into a polymer once it's exposed to oxygen. It starts to solidify. It just takes a while. So, mm-hmm. yeah, right, that boiled
2: linseed oil was the first oil I ever started putting on wood. Like when I first started. Uh, do you ever have uh, no, a fire, fire
1: from fire. it? I've always wanted a fire no. from it. It seems so cool. All right. What is a characteristic <laughs> feature of Danish oil as a wood finish? Ooh. ooh. Ross, is it It brings a- you
0: pastries.
1: <laughs> is it A, a high gloss finish? Is it B, a combination of oil and varnish? Is it C, fast drying? Is it D, UV resistance?
0: It is B, a combination of oils and varnish.
1: That is correct. So it is not a specific varnish because uh, that's too for Ross. It is uh, not a. – there is no like – everybody makes it different, right? But it's often made of tongue oil and polymerized linseed oil. But there's no like defined formulation because like different companies make it different. But basically, mm-hmm. that's what it is. Uh, and then, you know, varnish can be anything from – a polyurethane to a million different things so yep there you go um a lot of people make their own danish oil as a matter of fact from different things they don't even know that's what they're doing all right next one uh oh by the way fruit danish so what Mm -hmm. i did find out though is why they call it danish oil so um since danish oil is not a naturally occurring oil it's unusual that we refer to it like this it appears that the term was first used when danish furniture began to be exported around the world in the 20th century and was used by brands to offer an oil that provided a danish look to match the widely popular furniture hmm. so that i would
0: have thought it was something to do with like water protecting and staining their shoes
1: it could be the wooden shoes oh. But, oh. Could be. you know it could be but whatever they were trying to they were trying to copy the people from the the. That were sending over stuff, and so they started calling it Danish oil. So you can make it look like it's your furniture is Danish. So, all right, and then the last question, you guys. I appreciate you hanging in there. Question number ten: Polyurethane wood finishes were developed in which century? Go ahead, Colton. <laughs> Colton, is it the 18th century, 19th, 20th, or 21st?
2: You said uh, polyurethane. Yeah. Let's go. 18.
1: It was developed actually in the 20th century. It's not as old as you would think. So when they invented uh, polyurethane, it was invented in the 1930s by Professor Dr. Otto Bayer. And it was not like the polyurethane that like we used to like paint and stuff. They were actually trying to come up with different plastics after World War II. So then they started, mm-hmm. like, figuring out how to make, like, plastic cars and, like, plastic parts, and then they – and then, like, not too long after that, for about 15 years after that, they figured out how to make injection molds with polyurethane plastics, and then we still do that to this day. So polyurethane mm-hmm. is unbelievable.
2: Should not- I guess I, it sounded like one of those trick questions where it's going to be like, nope, actually in the 1800s, somebody – Smeared this stuff right. on a kind of like the uh, what are the, the resin century one earlier or not, but decade one? Yeah,
1: well, they yeah. actually did say that it is found that there is like polyurethane type things back as far as like Egyptian times, but they didn't know that's what they were doing, so that's when they like Correct. really developed it. It was in the 20th century. Uh, so, all right, you guys did amazing! Thank you so much for playing. Uh next week I don't know what the trivia will be but the last week be prepared you better start listening to the old podcast cuz I'm going to have some questions for you.
2: Done and done. Wait, is that is next week the last week of the year?
1: No. No there's week, 2 weeks left. Okay weeks. okay. I wasn't
2: sure we we're t- uh, calling the so, last week. Okay. Colton, are you ready
0: to jump into a little bit of brown goodness? Oh yeah. Late me, brothers. Awesome. Woo! Showtime. Woo! 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 Woo, 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 woo. the whiskey of the week so uh the whiskey of the week last week was the old elk rye
2: mm-hmm. i know you
0: were able to procure it because i sent it to you you <laughs> did
2: send it to me bro <laughs> did it dandy dude uh yeah that was slick yeah, also uh, i think we touched on it last week too but you sent me a lot of awesome stuff with it man um I did send you a couple of like things. The, uh, even just like like the the elk topper. The elk head pour spout? Yeah. You know what I love doing though? <laughs> Every time I pour out of it, so that, you know the elk has – it comes out of its mouth, right? I always think like, yeah. bruh, 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 every time I'm pouring it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the first time I presented one of those to a bartender, he literally poured it out and he was like, bruh. and now I can't see one of those pour out without in my head going. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yep. yeah. And then, um, so yeah, no, it was great. Um, uh, I guess to really, I don't know, kind of paint the picture of how it, this uh this specific straight rye whiskey made me feel. Um it reminded me of, you know, you're going in for your first uh physical for high school football, right? And mm-hmm. um you're all you're all nervous, right, at the, off the bat, you know, cuz like I feel like on the nose, it is like I know it's a really well rounded whiskey, but it's still yeah. like a little little spice on the nose. It's like a slight slight boozy on the nose, but um, and then even once you taste it, like it's a little bit of spicy up front, but not too much. But yeah, so you're going in for the uh, your physical, and you're a little nervous, but um, but, yeah, then you get a hot nurse and it's quick and easy, and biggest priority is um, yeah, just getting through. But yeah, no, it was it was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, it, uh, for the cocktail, I end up, um, taking that, uh, you also sent me a blood orange whiskey. Um, I did the
0: whiskey Smith, blood yeah, orange. whiskey
2: Smith. And that one was surprising. Uh, well, first of all, I wasn't expecting you to send me an orange whiskey, but, uh, I
0: sent it to you because you said you've been having problems making a consistent old fashioned, yeah, all the, and that one, yeah. on the rocks with just a couple dashes of bitters is like a perfect old fashioned.
2: That's another thing I was going to talk about. It's like a cheat code, man. Like the, yeah. uh, I I tried one today, like uh, just I, all I did was Angostura bitters and mm-hmm. that whiskey smith, and it was like a very it, it was very Christmas to me. You know, it's a lot of orange, yeah, and uh, yeah, that I was surprised. It's like a cheat code, man. Like you, yeah. Can, <laughs> like it, yeah. But um, it's really good. But I also like using it in replace of like simple syrup in an old fashioned. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it did get, which makes for a very boozy drink.
0: <laughs> yes, it <laughs> yeah, does. It's,
2: yeah, too solid. When, when you're
0: putting drink. in straight alcohol as opposed to uh, simple syrup, which is just a sweetener, mm-hmm. it makes for a very
2: boozy cocktail. You're sweetening, yeah. You're flavoring alcohol with alcohol. But uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, what so Crystal's birthday was. Uh, recently and I we yeah, I got like this like like tour. We did like a Christmas light tour uh downtown Houston and like this like golf mm-hmm. cart with like a glass ceiling and stuff. And I, I brought some of our own cocktails and uh I did that. I did the uh the old elk with the uh the blood orange and uh just some bitters and iced it down and yeah, Crystal had to drive home. <laughs> it, it, it's it's pretty boozy, but no, it, it it did really good though. It's a perfect Christmas cocktail, man. It really is nice. So strangely enough, um I actually had to
0: write some tasting notes for the Old Elk Straight Rye today because I'm putting together a seven-course food pairing dinner with our whiskeys and oh, wow. the chef wanted um chef wanted the different tasting notes for everything. But By the time I got to the rye, I was six whiskeys deep having to write some of these. So (laughs) I I actually want to share some of these with you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the aroma on the straight rye is uh, spice, peach, cinnamon sugar, almost like peach cobbler with vanilla ice cream. The taste is a bold spice of rye, all spice, peach in the middle of the tongue, caramel on the finish, and medium oak, slightly drying. But the mouthfeel... Is a well rounded, smooth confidence greets the palate as the senses are enveloped. Similar to your daughter bringing home Ryan Reynolds to meet you. You're unmistakably charmed and can't help but want to learn more.
1: Well, done. that's some poetry, yeah. baby. I believe yeah. it. You better leave that. Yeah. I, oh, I,
0: I definitely sent it off to him today. Yes. You
1: need
0: to use um, the prostate tango in one of those. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the reason I wanted you to try this is because you've you've said you've become such a massive fan of rye and discovered that you really enjoy rye. Yeah. Uh, through this experience of the whiskeys of the week, and the master distiller we have for Old Elk is known for creating upwards of eighty-five to ninety percent of all the ryes out on the market right now. So essentially, unless it was coming from either Jim Beam or Wild Turkey, chances are the rye that's out there actually came from uh, MGP when he was there as master distiller. And in the times that I've worked with him, I asked him, I was like, Greg, if you're responsible for making 85 to 90% of the rye out on the market, what does that look like, like, numbers-wise? He's like, we had a a finance intern who apparently didn't have enough work to do, but he figured out that if you stack up every bottle of rye that I've ever made, it would actually wrap around the world twice. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. What does that look like as far as, like, liquid volume? He's like, once again, the same kid apparently didn't have enough to do. (laughs) They figured out that if you took every NFL stadium, all 32 of them, and you dug the field out six feet down and filled up every NFL stadium from that new six-foot down field level to the top row of seats at 32 NFL stadiums, that's how much liquid he has made. Somewhere close to or just over 900 million proof gallons.
2: That's insane.
0: Yes. That, that's... So, the amount of volume that he has made.
1: How do they know what the volume of a, of a field is? That's interesting. I love yes. it.
0: Yes. So, I don't know how the kid figured out that part, but um, they did figure out, obviously, how much was in an average batch and what the yield was and all that stuff. But the Old Elk Rye is the only mash bill we have out of all of our products that's not a custom mash bill. All the other ones are totally custom. We're the only ones who have it. And I asked him, I was like, if all the other ones are custom, why isn't this one? And he's like, when you're responsible for making upwards of 90% of the rye on the market, I think I've figured it out. Like, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. I know what works and what doesn't. I'm like, that's fair. I mean, yeah, that's a justifiable answer. So on that note, though, as far as um, whiskey production and shapes of stills and manufacturing and everything else that actually leads me into the whiskey of the week for this coming week. And the whiskey of the week for this coming week is the Glen Morangy. And Ooh. don't let people say it's Glen Morangi. It's Glenn Morangy. 10 year old. It is their base entry level product. Um, the reason I want you to try it, it is a single malt scotch from Speyside, but Glenn Morangi is known for having the tallest, skinniest stills of anywhere in Scotland. And on single malt scotch, that matters much more so than it does on any other kind of whiskey. And I'm going to break that down on the next whiskey of the week because it's a really fun description. But I don't want to take up the rest of the time yeah. here. Like
2: Glenmorangie, so. they they're the ones with a whole bunch of weird casks too, right?
0: Yes, they do have a yeah, lot like of Like
2: I, I, I re- almost rarely see it like not in like a sherry cask or like, you know, like a yeah. they did some other stuff. but. But yeah, but yeah no, I'm I have had the, just like straight up Glenmorangie in quite a while. I'm excited to try it. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, uh, uh well gentlemen, should we do oh, go ahead. I mean, it's not really, oh, back on the scotch cocktails. You know, we're trying to do a cocktail with it every week. Got any suggestions yep. off the bat for a cocktail with that? We could try I'm something I'm going to text you some. Yeah. Okay, cool.
0: We're. we're I mean, we're, we're definitely not going to do the, um, I mean, this is not a, a peated single malt. This is a very light, fruity, like stone fruit, apricot, mm-hmm. peaches, nectarines kind of feel. So let me look up a couple cocktails, especially some that might have a holiday feel to you. Yeah. And we'll go oh, from there. That That'd be perfect. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but we are just crossing the two-hour threshold Ooh. at this point. Uh, so I think it's time for us to actually dive into our nuggets of the week. All right. Do you guys have a nugget you want to share do you I, want me to jump in? Yeah, I got a
1: nugget. Uh, I, go I, go ahead. You guys go ahead. You guys go ahead. Sure. Go ahead, go
2: ahead gold So um, I, I've talked to two people now that have had like long-term issues from this, but uh, wearing a respirator when you're pouring resin and right, and like, I'm guilty of it. Like if I'm doing like a small, like if I'm doing less than 20 ounces at a time, I may not wear a respirator, but uh I always do it when I'm pouring like close to a gallon at at a time because you can definitely smell a lot then. But, um, like, uh, what is it? Uh, Aaron with Ninja Rhino and, Mm -hmm. um, one of the, uh, the marketing people from promise epoxy, uh, when I was talking to them, they're now allergic to resin and like, they've grown an allergy, like just from like the, the fumes and the, um forgot the term for it. There's like a gassing, Um.
0: do you think yeah. there's a difference in the size of the shop and or the ventilation as well?
2: 100%. Yeah, I, that, that absolutely would matter. Um, but yeah, I, I know like even with different resins that I pour, like uh, you can – some of them you can smell a lot when you're doing them, like especially if it's like a quick resin, a quicker resin. Yeah. One. And um, I think it puts off more fumes. I guess like it would make sense like if it's curing faster, it's going to emit more gases. VOCs, that's the word I was looking for. yeah Yeah. um but yeah it's important like you can grow an allergy to it um so i've gotten a lot better i've gotten a second um respirator so i can keep it right on the resin bench and keep it more handy now but that's safety is key yeah all right jess what do you got
1: so my nugget is kind of a complaint and a nugget at the same time (laughs) and uh Well, the first real nugget is Colton's suggestion for the tent from Harbor Freight. If you are limited on space and inside your shop and you have room in your backyard, you can go buy either a 12 by 20 or they make a little bit smaller one, like a 10 by something else. And for th- anywhere from 300 to 500 bucks. And you have like a new workshop. Like I do so much work out there now and paint and I get to zip it up. Like it was cold the other day. I turned the heater on the paint dried. Like it is, Plus, you can put a fan at both ends and like make like a wind tunnel. It is an awesome, very quick one day thing. You've got an extra, you know what? 200 square feet. Like it's awesome. Hmm. You can store some wood or whatever it is. So anyway, that's one. Um, The second one is kind of like a complaint. So I don't know if you're going to know where I'm going with this in the beginning, but this morning I was driving to work and I ran out of coffee and I didn't bring anything else. It's like, you know what? I want another cup of coffee. So I don't bring like a thermos or anything. So I was like, oh, there's like a 7-Eleven. I'll stop there and grab a cup of coffee. So they have like all these little different things. And I went and I was like, oh, look, they got this like cappuccino latte maker thing. So I'm trying to push the buttons and every one of them, just like water's coming out on all, of, doesn't say out of order. And it's not, it's not working. So I'm like, all right, I'll just get regular coffee. So I got regular coffee. And I went up and I said, Hey, I think your cappuccino machine is not working. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, the guy like won't show me how to fix it. And like, I, you know, like he, I just, I keep asking him and he won't show me. He's like, I'm sure it's something simple, but like, I don't, you know, know what's wrong with it. And I'm like,
0: that was very helpful.
1: I wanted to say, well, number one, you know it's broken. Put a fucking sign on it that says that it's broken. Okay, that's kind of what you do. And number yep. two, and you'll have to believe this. Figure it the fuck out. <laughs> figure it out. You have. I mean, and I talk to my kids about this. Do they not teach critical thinking in school anymore? Like, once you learn to teach yourself something or to problem solve something, it will apply to everything else in your life, whether it is, and every time you fail, you're going to learn something and you're either going to break it or you're not going to break it, but you're going to learn this like little skill. You don't even know you're learning. It's like, it's like not even, um, there's, not even a way to sometimes to even put into words what skill you just learned. But then the next time something goes wrong, you'll start to create these processes of how you figure things out. Okay, well, it's not this. Well, then it's got to be this. Let me look at this, and you'll learn how things work, and like all these things. And it doesn't matter whether we're talking about relationships or computers or woodworking or a coffee machine at 7-Eleven. Figure it out. Just try, just get in there. And I mean, for God's sakes, you got your phone, like you can't like the part that you like are really stumped on. You can't like maybe try to look it up, like figure it out on your own without any help and fix it. it. I understand if it's something that's completely beyond, but you would be surprised what you are capable of. But if you don't ever Correct. try, you're never going to know. Yeah, like if my computer just stops working, am I going to be able to go through like each microchip and figure out? No, I probably won't. But I bet I could if I had enough time. Yep, I, yep. I could teach myself. Everybody's that, that capable of, uh, of anything if they would just try. Yeah. So just figure it the freak out. Like uh, I don't know how to do that. What do you mean you don't know how to do that? You have the whole world on your phone, on your computer. You have friends. Yeah. Did you even try? Like yeah. you, you just are lazy. It's what you are. Yeah. Like just, just, it's, it's two things that I've discovered. It's one is fear that you're going to make it worse. Right. And two, it's laziness and, and lack of self-confidence if you want to make three, but I'm not afraid to mess stuff up. I'm not afraid to break something. If it's already broke, I really am not afraid. Right. Like I'm not afraid. The other
0: thing that, that a lot of younger people run into is perfectionism syndrome Mm. they try something once and if they're not perfect at it they're like well i'm obviously not ever going to be good at this and they just give up right away um so a lot of them don't even try if they don't think they can do do it it right the first
1: time yeah like nothing was ever invented on the first try i'll tell you that right now not not for sex it reminds
2: me of the uh the hashtag like not my job like uh where you see yeah. like someone who uh oh. where they're painting a the street and like they just like paint over like a dead squirrel <laughs> like roadkill. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like Yeah not my
2: job. Not my job. I don't care.
1: <laughs> my my wife worked at this dentist office before here and they used to say, Well, that's not my job. And I just want to say, Oh my god, if anybody at my shop ever said that, I'd be like, No, it isn't your job. Nothing is your job now, you're out. Like I don't like that mentality yeah. does not fly. If it if it's broke, fix it. So Yep. Anyway, figure it out. <laughs> And you feel so good when you figure right. something out too. That's like yeah. a dopamine rush right there. Like, man, this was like, I figured that out. Look what I did. You know, like you want to show somebody. So yeah. um, there's a there's a whole sense of self-satisfaction uh, and uh, a sense of self-worth, self-worth that is involved in figuring something out that you have no idea about and learning something new. And you may never use it again, but um, – yeah. Yeah. So that was my little rant and my little nugget at the same time.
0: Okay. Uh, Well, my nugget is, is much less in depth than that. (laughs) Intense. Uh, Yeah. Uh, In all honesty, it it has to do with working smarter, not harder. Today I had to batch out uh, 30 boxes or pieces for 30 boxes uh, to make. And I realized as I was putting stuff together, I always do a cut list beforehand to see how many runs at a certain width I need to do, how many pieces I'm going to get out of each of these. And I was able to, by not only taking the time to plan that out, I knew how many cuts I had to make. Uh, but then I was also able to figure out that I'd be able to save almost a half a sheet of plywood with wise by utilizing some of the off cuts from other pieces uh, to be able to make some things all right and so when i batched things out and actually wrote out like i'm going to do this cut first and then i work from the largest to the smallest and work my way down i was able to save a half a sheet of plywood and become exponentially more efficient because i i took the time which was you know 15 minutes to write out a cut sheet and figure out how many pieces i'd be able to get out of each extra piece so very nice great it was a, a time saving and money saving tip. And I got all the pieces cut, and it only took hour, hour and a half to do it all. It's going to take me like two days to stain it all.
1: <laughs> yes, but it um,
0: is. yeah.
1: And a big setup. But, yeah.
0: Yeah. But cutting it was super easy.
1: I, so. the, I, the more that you do, the more that I did, uh, that's because I used to waste a lot. The more that you do it, the yeah. more you like start to like, start thinking about like curves and like trying to make the most out of mm-hmm. a piece and like even designing it in a way or talking to yeah. the customer into like, well, if your cabin is 12 inches instead of 13, I can get four pieces out of a sheet. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so very good. But that's what I got. Very, very nice. good. I like that. And I think at the fact that we are, 10 minutes past two hours here. It's probably a good time to wrap up. Is there anything else you boys want to cover off on?
1: I got it all off my chest. That's it, baby.
0: Awesome. Well, we have plenty more of this goodness saved up for future episodes to wrap up the rest of the year. Uh, But I wanted to tell everybody, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you very much to for tuning into this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed every second. And if you didn't, please send all your complaints to our muscle-bound legal representation at Goldberg, Goldstein, and Gold's Gym Law Offices, where their motto is we check IDs and bounce the thieves, but DUIs won't fly with us on your side. For Jess Colton and Ross, this is the Beat Around the Bench Podcast, and
3: we will catch you all next time. We'll see you.